try to do just the opposite. High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27, does it again. God, Fernando Tatis Jr. with a two-run shot as the Padres on the board. Welcome, everybody, to Free Baseball. I know you're not used to seeing this face anymore, but I know you're used to seeing Jake and Davis, but you're not used to seeing the guy on my right side, Devin Walters. <laughs> but here we are. We're here. Boys, how do you feel? We know what week it is, so I assume we're all looking forward to the week of baseball and this show. Pumped. Absolutely pumped. Super, super stoked. All right. All-star week. Baseball is awesome. Sure. And, you know, we got it. It's going to be another romantic episode, of course. <laughs> we got a lot to cover. And I mean a lot. You know how it goes down over here. Unless anybody has anything to say, I think it's time to get right into it. We got a lot to cover. Right? <laughs> so let's go. So we're going to start off with some hot weeks, of course. We got my boy that I've been holding on to in fantasy baseball forever now, it seems like. The Audi Tavares over there in Texas. He's had a pretty hot week. Going 462. He has a couple of stolen bases. I think he has five in total now, right? I believe he stole another one. Nine RBIs. Um, how, how are you guys feeling? Is this like, are we buying in to uh, Tavares? And if you don't mind, I think, Devin, if you're ready, I'm going to start with you. Let's get right to it. Yeah, listen, the Texas Rangers are one of those teams, right, where the last couple of years you don't really think that they're in contention at any point, but they're just a fun team to watch. So it's nice to see someone like Tavares have a great week, uh, 28 plate appearances. And he's right now, from what it looks like on the notes, second in the majors with a 0 0.8 uh, FWAR. So um, last week. Yeah, in just the last week. So this is an exciting time for the Texas Rangers, in my opinion. Yes, they're not going to be competing for a World Series this year necessarily. But at the same time, if you're a Rangers fan, you got to sort of enjoy those bright moments along the road. Yeah. T totally agree. Um, and that's pronounced F war, Devin. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tavares, uh, been pretty crazy. I'm pretty disappointed in myself. I picked him up in like my ex experts league, uh, TGFBI like two weeks ago. And I sort of gave up on him last week cause he was batting ninth and wasn't really doing a lot. And this is 15 team super deep league where it's like, you need guys who are playing every day, which is what he was doing, but he, he wasn't really like blowing my socks off. And then of course the first week I drop him and he just goes off and then gets picked up by somebody else, like a really smart fantasy baseball player. And I was like, dang, you know, I was, I was early, you know, I felt really smart, but I also felt really stupid. Uh, yeah. He's batting freaking 341 now with a 161 WRC plus just, he, he's a, uh, he's really good. Uh, he had, a couple other seasons in the majors. He he made my top performers article last week. He he 
debuted a couple years ago and you know he just struck out over 30 percent of the time which is never good unless you're freaking patrick wisdom uh davis can attest to that for sure and it's been a much better season this year i think he dropped his strike at right by five or six percent so that's re that's really been helping a lot let him make a lot of contact and, and use his speed just like when the ball is in play when he's on the bases and that, that's what makes him such a good player in fantasy but also like he's a really good real life player because he he uses his speed to have some good defense as well davis any thoughts on that today um i think it's already been covered i'm saving all i'm saving all my notes to talk about this next guy because i'm a big fan <laughs> Okay, well, this next guy, it feels like he's been a prospect forever, but in, in uh, you know, he's had some bumps in the road. I mean, I mean, he did debut in 2020, so it's been a long time since then, it feels like. But uh, Davis, I'll stick right with you. I mean, he's starting off well. He's got a he had a nice showing the other day, 12 strikeouts. He's always had something. Um, is he finding himself now? Is this it? Um, he's had a good season. And we're, of course, we're talking about Tristan McKenzie of the Cleveland Guardians. Um, and on the 14th, he started against the Detroit Tigers when eight innings pitched, gave up five hits, uh, zero earned, no walks. He doesn't walk a lot of batters, 12 strikeouts, which is pretty high for him. He's not a big strikeout pitcher. He's more of a, a pitch to contact kind of guy. Um, of course, Sticks McKenzie is big, lanky guy, um, really good arm action. He just gets a ton of ground balls. And he did that really well against the Tigers, which like the caveat is there. It's the Tigers. They're arguably the worst offense in baseball i think it's like either them or the athletics um uh poor jake sorry jake um but yeah i mean he's had a good season um for the guardians who have been really surprising they're uh they're one of one of my teams I've, i'm a homer of so uh any any good news about the guardians is awesome for me um underlying numbers this year aren't too good but um you know worth one 1.1 f4 on the year uh he was tied among first first among all pitchers last week with 0.7 f4 um this season of course gone 101 innings pitched um 24.2 percent strikeout percentage he's got a 3.2 era with like a four ish fit um sub one whip though which is really good because you know he doesn't walk a lot of the guys um doesn't give up a lot of like super super loud contact um just gets ground balls and he's a really good middle of the rotation starter for the guardians Devin, have you did you were you able to catch any of McKenzie? I mean, do you think he's found himself um, or based off the numbers? Hey, listen, is you're wearing that Yankees hat? I mean, <laughs> we can talk about this week, but back in early July, he went seven innings, only allowed one hit against yeah. the Yankees, yeah. and during the month of July, he hasn't allowed a single run across three outings. So. Um, averaging over seven strikeouts during the month of July, which is weird too, right? Because during the month of June, this was a guy who had an ERA over a 6.0 during the month of June. Yeah. So I didn't think going into this episode that this was a player that we were going to be talking about, but here we are, you know, coming off of a great performance against the Tigers. And then before that, great performances back-to-back -back against the Royals and Yankees. Uh, once again, not a player I thought we'd be talking about, but yeah. – here we are. I'm very surprised. You know, it's crazy. It feels like the Guardians are just like weeks. I at least I expected them to kind of be in like a rebuilding type of mode this year. And all of a sudden, they're not that far out of playoff contention. And you got Shane Bieber. And now you got McKenzie, if he could step up. And then you have Jose Ramirez. Uh, Jake, if I could go to you, like, are the, should we be concerned about the Guardians, at least as a playoff team this year? I mean, I'm starting uh, to get that sense. I don't know. I don't know about you. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why that would concern you. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> it, it, hey, that's what they get for changing their stupid name to something less racist. 
So I'm, yeah, really good. I'm they're always really good at pitching development. Tristan McKenzie is probably the skinniest guy in baseball, but you know the, the Tigers are really helping out here. They, yeah. They're really bad. <laughs> they're so bad. Um, yeah, yeah. McKenzie was racking up the whiffs. 18 whiffs is really good. 12 Ks is also incredible. He really only needed one start to do this anyway to tie for first in F4. So that's really good. But yeah, I mean, throughout the season, he just sometimes will struggle with his command. He really just needs to throw strikes. He's got pretty good stuff, but his stuff sort of varies from week to week as well. You know, sometimes he's got his mechanics down and he's pumping mid nineties. And sometimes he, he's sort of got to be more finesse with a low nineties fastball and, and his breaking stuff not working as well. But <laughs> Tigers made it easy on him and he was, uh, he was feeling it he was feeling it pretty good. And uh, the guardians, yeah, they're going to give the, they're going to give the twins a scare. Uh, I think the twins are going to definitely have to make some moves at the trade deadline, which we will cover later on. So yeah, the de definitely keep an eye out for the guardians. I mean, if you got Jose Ramirez on your team, it, it makes you pretty good. You know, yeah. Something to say Davis. Uh, I was just going to, I was just going to big up the guardians. They're just four games behind um, the twins. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they've been they've been much better over the last ten. I think the Twins have lost seven of their last ten or something like that. And the Guardians have won six, um, so they're they're making up big ground on the Twins right now as things stand. Um, so the like Jake said, the Twins are going to have to do something at the trade deadline to really try to cement themselves in that division, or the the Guardians are going to catch them. They probably mm -hmm. will be leading the division if they were the Cleveland Spiders, because um, Guardians is horrible and is bad vibes. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, but they're they're a lot better than their record says. Um, still, and they're a team that's going to be a problem, like in a like a playoff game, like a an early playoff series. It's going to be it's going to be a tough out for uh, for Cleveland if they're there. I'm glad you said that. Because speaking of a tough out, okay, we got to go to the players of the week. It was just announced. We literally just etched it in really quick. Let's talk about a guy that's been a tough out, like. The one thing my the Yankees didn't really need was another guy coming in smacking palms down right field, and we got Matt Carpenter doing just that, securing Player of the Week honors. This is a guy who got emotional the other day because he thought at one point he might be out of the league. The Cardinals just kind of let him go, and you know said Sayonara, and here he is saying Sayonara to baseballs in Yankee Stadium. Uh, so. Jake, how do you feel about that? I, I see you, you know, not, you know, how, how do you feel? <laughs> he's been in, he's been really crazy. I, I don't know how he's doing it. He was signed by the Rangers this off season and was put in their minor leagues where he was sort of going off, but not like, not even like what he's doing in the majors with the Yankees, which is Makes sort of sense. saying something for, for a major leaguer who, who was killing it in the minors, but the Rangers sort of gave up on him, didn't get anything from him released him and the Yankees picked him up and he, he started doing just crazy stuff right from the beginning, hitting some home runs. And now it's gotten to the point where the Yankees have no excuse not to play him every single day because he just seems to hit a home run, maybe two every single time he gets into the lineup. I know Devin is mentioning it every single time in, in the free baseball group chat, just like, Hey, like uh, wide eyes, like Matt Carpenter doing it again. And he does, he just keeps doing that. Maybe it's the power of the mustache, I mean, that seems to be a common theme in New York that all the guys with the mustache are really good. So, yeah, I mean, it's basically I've, I've seen some shirts like Super Mario Brothers, Nestor Cortez and uh, Matt Carpenter. Pre pretty funny. But he's yeah, he's just ridiculous. I don't know how he's doing this. Just making such good contact. Three home runs over the last week. I think he's got what does he have like 13 now in like 20 games or something? Yeah. 13 <laughs> something and 30, 31 games. God dang, that's insane. He has almost a 300 WRC plus. It's 278. Man, uh, I mean, 
Yeah. A tweet from Foolish Baseball uh, actually says he has the highest slug um, through the first 30 games of a season in MLB history, minimum 75 plate what appearances with a 933 slug, which is stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's pretty pretty insane. I mean, Dev, I know I know you got to be loving it. I mean, like you just said, you're always in the chat. Is are are you all in on Matt Carpenter? Like, what, what do we what should we expect? Is he gonna go off for like sixty home runs? Like, <laughs> I don't know if I would go that far. Even as a Yankee fan, I'd love to see it. Um, also, saw a couple of days ago uh, that Matt Carpenter, uh, the tweet that I'm reading right now, Matt Carpenter became the tenth player in Yankees history to have at least two games with over seven RBIs. And the first to do it since none other than Joe DiMaggio wow. uh, back in the 1940s. Like, this is absolutely absurd. You know, Jake had mentioned it before, three home runs in the last week. Half of his hits, he has six hits. Half of them are home runs. And when I say they're home runs, they're not just limping over that right field uh, porch. They're going deep in that direction. So it's nice to see Matt Carpenter sort of revive his career. This is definitely a feel-good story. Do I think that he's going to go ahead and carry this on during the month of August and September? It'd be nice to think so at least, but we sort of have to just wait on the verdict. On the verdict, that's a nice little, even though we're not talking about Judge next, I wish we was. That would have been a great transition. But we are going to move over to somebody similar to Judge, where, you know, where Judge was on his team. He may be leaving. We see the Braves hat right there. Freddie Freeman also still doing things even after the big payday. Davis, what do you think about Freddie Freeman's week? Um, and I mean, I, I, it sounds stupid to say, can he keep this up? Because we know he can. Uh, but what are your thoughts about him so far with the Dodgers? It's pretty easy to think uh, what I think of his week. I mean, it's insane. He hit 632. Mm-hmm. He had a six 652 on base, slugged uh, 1.158. 12 hits, five RBIs, which is kind of crazy because he's in that Dodgers lineup. Um, of course, it's Freddie Freeman. He's one of the best baseball players on the planet. Um, he'll probably continue to be one of the best baseball players on the planet. Um, it's just kind of a shame that he's doing it for the Dodgers and not the Braves still. Um, although yes, sir. Matt, Matt Olson, he's really sick, but it, Freddie, Freddie Freeman will ne- it'll never, never feel normal seeing him in a Dodgers uniform. Um, but of course, of course he'll continue this probably not hitting 600. That's a little wild, but yeah, I mean, if anybody, can. what else is there? What else is there to say? It's like Paul. It's like Paul Goldschmidt on this show. I mean, like it's Freddie. It's Freddie Freeman. I mean, he's he's just insane. Yeah, Jake? yeah. He's been uh, he's been crazy. He's uh, with that hot week, he's put his season into territory to be the best of his career thus far, which is saying something for a guy that's won an MVP and has been an All Star countless number of times with Atlanta, but his 159 WRC plus is a career high for a full season. Full season this is longer than the 2020 season when he won MVP, but he's also batting 321, which would also be a career high. So yeah, he's, he's killing it. He's not hitting for power like he used to, but this is sort of like he's reverted back to what he was in his early days with the Braves, where he was more of like a mid twenties home run hitter. Like he's only hit 30 home runs three times in his career and he's been playing for like 12 years or something. So he, he sort of reverted back to that twenty mid twenties home run level, which is fine, especially when you're hitting three twenty one. But yeah, he's one of the best left-handed bats in in baseball. It's really such such a shame that he is playing for the Dodgers. But you know, we'll see him in the All Star game tomorrow. Dev, you got any thoughts on uh, Freeman's performance so far? 
He's absolutely bonkers. I mean, he's got, what, five or four multi-hit games just this past week alone. So Jake put it best, right? He's not necessarily hitting for power like someone like Matt Carpenter is necessarily, but still ends up as the player of the week because he's one of the most elite hitters. I was glad to see him added to the All-Star game, rightfully so. But, yeah, he's absolutely bonkers. Couldn't be happier. During this month, he's batting over 400. So it's absolutely bonkers what he's doing right now. I want to put you guys on the spot real quick. I know this wasn't in the notes, but I'm just thinking about it. I'm thinking about like how major contracts, you always see there's like this little adjustment period quite often where the first season is Freeman like the best, like to like initially just click right away. Like there has been no adjustment period. I mean, Jake, do, do you recall anything off the top of your head? That's been better than this so far with Freddie Freeman. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to uh, come up with stuff off the top of your head like that. I can think of pitchers that have done so. Patrick Corbin in his first year with the Nationals was really good. I know Nick Castellanos was sort of underwhelming in his first year, but it was 2020. So if you count 2021 as his first year in Cincinnati, he was incredible. There, yeah. There's definitely some recent examples of guys like this. I mean, you can count on Mookie Betts and just a, a ton of other guys, but you you're, you're right. A lot of guys really don't hit the ground running right away, especially with big contracts. You saw that with Semyon in the first couple of months. You saw that with Seager. They've both turned it around recently. We, we've seen that with uh, other guys. I'm pretty sure I could check my fantasy team and come up with like five names <laughs> that are underperforming um, this year. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been a really incredible season for him. You, like, like you said, you don't, you don't see guys get off and running right away, but I think it's, it's helped that he hasn't switched leagues that he's yeah. facing pitchers that he's faced before that. He's also like a veteran who's, you know, been around the league. He's, he's not really going to get fooled. And he's just like a pure hitter, you know, like if it was a guy like Semyon who re relies so much on pulling the ball for power and, and the dimensions of his ballpark, like Freeman's going to get base hits. If you put yeah. him, in with like 15 fielders on the field, he's going to get something down on in the outfield grass. But yeah, I, I think he's just like the perfect guy for, you know, a change of scenery like this where he's not going to get phased. All right, cool. Unless we have any comments, speaking of hitting the ground running, uh, the Blue Jays hits, hit Charlie Montoyo on the ground and now they're running <laughs> in the other direction. Four what a transition. Three. You would think they have like Segway. some sort of advantage with the, uh, restrictions going on over there in Toronto. Um, it's been kind of disappointing for them because I personally, I thought they would be in first place right now. Like, yeah. you know, that, that was my favorite. Um, so do you think it was a good move? Personally, I do. I think you have to shake it up when you have a talented roster and it's just black. You got to do what you got to do, even though it's kind of unfair in a sense. It's never fun to see somebody get fired. Uh, Davis, what, what did you think about uh, this firing here? Was it the right move? And what should we expect moving forward? We talked about this a couple of pods ago when um, the Angels fired Joe Madden, and I don't really ever think it's uh, anything more than a neutral move more often than not to fire your manager in the middle of the season. Um, if if your season's going bad, I mean, it kind of is what it is. The manager can only do but so much. Um, so firing Charlie Montoyo um, is kind of like lip service, whatever, um, is what it feels like to me. I mean, they are, they've been bad and kind of disappointing, but not as bad as, like, say, the White Sox, like who probably won't make the playoffs at this point, and they're still sticking with that dinosaur, Tony La Russa. So I don't really <laughs> – I don't understand that. Um, bring back John Gibbons. Gibbons. I want Gibbons. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead the John Gibbons hype train. Bring back Gibby. Um, 
he deserves to be Blue Jays manager for life. Um, uh, firing Montoyo, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get why you'd fire him. Um, who are they going to replace him with? I mean, they've got John Schneider, who's their interim manager right now. Like they're probably just going to ride it out with him, and then, then what? Uh, what's the plan? So, I don't like. It's not like you can. It's not like firing an NFL head coach where you can just be like, okay, we're going to fire this one, and we're going to hire someone in the middle of the season, or like an, an NBA head coach where you can change change the dynamic of a team. Baseball's played like basically the same way all the time, uh, more often than not. It's not like you can you can plug and play a manager that's going to completely change the philosophy of their team. Doesn't really work that way. Jake, what, what were your thoughts? Do you think more or less are you in agreement with Davis? Yeah, I mean, like you said at the at the top of this segment, we I think we all had Toronto at least making the playoffs, but definitely as like one of the favorites to make the World Series. And I, had I had them winning. winning the World Series. Yeah, yeah I'm like, pretty sure. Yeah, like half of us had. Okay, so we all had like the Toronto yeah. winning. They they just yeah. added to the rotation. They've got a super good young lineup. But yeah, I mean, like Davis was saying, you can't really blame it on the manager. Like, what is he yeah. really doing? Like setting the lineup and and moving in the the pitchers. What I read a couple days ago was that he's not really the you know, pump up the team, like get everybody fired up type of guy. He's sort of like a nice guy that keeps everybody friends, keep this, keeps the clubhouse friendly, but that's not what this young team needs. Like, especially right now, they need like a slap in the face. Like, come on guys, we need to pick it up. Maybe yeah. this firing will be that punch in the face. Like they're, they're four and one since the firing and they were only 46 and 42 during the season. And Montoya was a 500 manager from 2019 to 22. So he's, he's not the you know craziest manager of all time, but you, this is, sort of unprecedented this, this season we've seen three managers let go during the regular season we hadn't seen one since like four years ago when uh mike Matheny left the cardinals but it's it's very weird like I, I know a lot of teams have been sticking with the same manager for a while and we, we haven't seen a lot of new faces and stuff but so so it's very weird to see three managers go at one time basically a couple months apart does it make us think that maybe Joe Madden could end up in Toronto. Do the Blue Jays trade Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for Tony La Russa? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Anything's on the table. But I don't know if this is going to make such a big difference. I think you just got to hope that the team turns it around and that they make a couple big bullpen and, and second base additions at the deadline. Just for clarification, Jake totally was in agreement with the John Gibbons for Blue Jays manager for life. I, I want to clarify yeah. that. There was no um, denial of that. Yeah, yeah, there was no denial of that. So uh, that, that's probable cause. Gibbons for manager yeah. forever. So, Dev, are you also on the same path with them? Right? Uh, I thought at the time it made sense, right? Because when he was the manager, they were 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games. They were fourth in the division. And we talked about this just a few seconds ago. Some of us had the Blue Jays winning the World Series going into the season at one point in time. If not winning the World Series, you certainly had them making the postseason, whether it was a division favorite or one of the wild card spots. It's interesting now because Toronto going into the season, I'm a gambling guy. I'm a gambling man. <laughs> they were plus 550 preseason odds to win the American League. Those have nearly cut in half. And now they're sitting at plus 1,000, according to Vegas. So mm -hmm. it's it's really interesting to see what's happening in Toronto. I completely agree with Jake. They have to make some moves, especially at this All-Star break. And I'll tell you guys this fun fact right here. Only two teams have won the World Series after making a midseason managerial change. 
That was the 1978 Yankees, and it was the 2003 Miami Marlins. Those were the only <laughs> two teams to ever do it in the history of baseball. So Blue Jays be the next one up. I I don't think so, but man, what a story that would be. Yeah, yeah, it's it's never impossible for you know a young team like that to just get it and pull it together. But keep in mind that four and one record also came against the Kansas City Royals. So oh yeah, and, and they're uh, without they're literally without more than a third of their team. They had ten guys go on the COVID IL when they went over there, which is insane. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see, of course. Of course, they have a uh, 236-236 record from 2019 till now. So that's, uh, you know, they haven't had much. But uh, let's move forward. We got some all-star replacements, of course. We have quite a bit, of course. Injuries, unfortunately, always, I mean, are always a big part of this process. Um, is there anybody in particular that you're happy to see thrusting into the lineup? Devin, what do you think? Since we got six Yankees and the All Star, I think you deserve it to talk first. Yeah, this is it's it's so interesting right now. I mean, the the Yankees are definitely an interest to me at least. I, I mean, I'm looking at this this All Star game, man, and I'm I'm seeing Judge is having a crazy year. I'll, I'll tell you this about Judge at least, okay? And I, I saw this on the Bill Simmons podcast a couple of weeks ago, and it was argued that. If you dropped Aaron Judge, put him in a time machine, and put him back in the 1980s, that's all ESPN and all these other sports sites would be talking about, right? Because his numbers are absolutely crazy, and I think the Yankees are definitely exceeding expectations. But when you're talking about the AL East and as a whole, I mean, I could argue that that's probably the most competitive division in all of sports, not just baseball, in all of sports, mm-hmm. out of all the big four. So, yeah, yeah I, I – it's it's interesting. I'm nervous, Isaiah. I'm nervous because I told you off the air. I said yeah. I'm not sure if this is a team that's going to perform well in September, but correct. I'll give it to you. You're correct because, look, like I always said, if this was like the Knicks, for example, I'd <laughs> no. be like jumping off the walls. If this was RJ Barrett leading the way, I'd be so happy. But Even this is the Yankees. Show, you're still finding a place. Right. <laughs> but look, this is the Yankees. You got to win a World Series, but. You know, so, I mean, when you, you see all these Yankees that made the All-Star game, and you see a lot of these replacements. Like, yeah. uh, Jake, what, what are your thoughts about uh, the replacements and, and whatnot? Did, did yeah. we get it right? Why is Glaber Torres not in the All-Star game? Oh, Bro, there's enough Yankees in the All-Star game. You, you don't need any more. This is devolving into a Yankees podcast, and I'm going to have to put an end to that real <laughs> quick. I'm pretty sure John Boy has that covered. They've got the Yankees podca- podcast. But, yeah, like they added a bunch of All-Stars this week, which is really cool. I know I saw Ken Rosenthal complaining about it. I thought that was really funny. He's, There's 80 players in the All-Star game now. That's literally like 15% of the league. And then No wonder Manfred hates that dude. <laughs> there's like <laughs> that was our first podcast rosenthal firing um but yeah i mean there used to be way more it used to be a way higher percentage of guys in the all-star game back when the league was a little smaller i think it was 26 teams just like 20 or 30 years ago so we're still sort of around the same time there's just so much talent in mlb right now that you sort of have to honor everybody i'm gonna run through these guys really quick just so that anybody that's not completely caught up is prepared for tomorrow when they're like wait this guy wasn't on the all-star game last time i listened to free baseball podcast because that's where i get all of my baseball news you should <laughs> always get all your baseball news. <laughs> yeah so so they added freddie freeman 
who we just talked about, definitely deserving. They had a Jake Cronenworth of the San Diego Padres, my namesake. We got J.D. Martinez. Let's hear a boo from the Yankees fans. Um, we got Carlos Rodon. Davis and I uh, are our arch nemesis because he's making us look like an idiot um, after this offseason. <laughs> Neither of us drafted him in the in the free agent draft. Uh, <laughs> Garrett Cooper got added too. He's been batting over 300, just fell below that. Corey Seager, member of the Home Run Derby. Austin Riley of the Braves, probably one of the biggest snubs. Thank God he's in there. Tyler Anderson of the Dodgers, I'll give him a boo for myself. Santiago Espinal of the Blue Jays, who we just talked about. He's uh, definitely one of the weirdest additions. I wouldn't say he's terrible, but like th that's the only guy I could see like Hey, why isn't Glaber in there instead of Santiago Espinal? But uh, just put in another pitcher. Get freaking Dylan Cease in there. Man is leading the league in strikeouts yeah, and real. has a sub 2.50 ERA. Nonetheless, we got a couple of relievers as well. Devin Williams, Jordan Romano, and Liam Hendricks. Why is Romano in there? Just because he gets saves. I think it should have been John Schreiber of the Red Sox. And we finally got Ty France in there. Thank God that was just such an egregious snub that uh i think everybody was just gonna yes relievers matter uh i was just uh, i think people were gonna like boycott the all-star game if ty france didn't make it but thank god he was the second to last all-star edition and then we got miles Mikolas of the st louis cardinals we'll hear a boo from davis for that one but i i think the one that i'm most excited to see amongst these additions is my boy carlos rodon hopefully he gets into this game actually just kidding he was a replacement and he was replaced later <laughs> by tyler anderson so that that one's pretty funny he's not going to be in there so so yeah let's uh let's get let's get ty france let's get ty france up to the plate let's see him hit a dinger let's see him win all-star game mvp and be like hey this is why you don't freaking snub me next time you better vote me in as the freaking starter but yeah i'm really pumped for the all-star game as you can tell um i'll let davis uh choose his favorite all-star replacement before we get into the freaking draft yes shout out Shout out to my boy, Garrett Cooper. Uh, I sent this to Jake when it happened, just because we talked about him like so little. Uh, he's such a fun player because he just, he has shit, a, a ton of power. Um, he's 6'5", giant dude, first baseman, DH, out like corner outfielder. He just hits ground balls. He's just a contact hitter. He yep. also looks like he'd be really cool to have a beer with. So shout out to my man, Garrett Cooper. Um, I hope he gets he gets played appearance and uh, socks a dinger and steals, uh, steals All-Star Game MVP from Ty France, just to spite Jake. So shout out to my man, Garrett Cooper. Uh, I hope he wins. Cool. So speaking of that aforementioned draft that we have going on right here, right? It's time for us to figure out who do we think is going to be the MVP. Um, I think I'm going to keep it to just you three because, see, I would have first, if, if Shohei Otani was going to pitch, of course, I would have had the gone with Shohei, but he's not. So it kind of opens up the door a little bit for a lot of possibilities. Um, so I'm thinking we get right into it. Now, Wait, let me do a number generator to okay. see the order. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, Devin, think of a number, one to three. I'll go with three. All right. Davis, think of a number, one to three. Devin stole my choice. I'll go with one. <laughs> all right. So that leaves me with two. Here we go. Generating. Generating three. All right. Devin's first. <laughs> and now either one or two, it's one. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Davis, you're second. I'll be last, and then I'll go first in the second round. We'll do three rounds, three snake rounds. draft. Okay. Just trying to guess that all-star game MVP. But, yeah, back to you, yeah. Isaiah. Okay, cool. So we're going to get right to it. Of course, if everybody has the rosters up, are you ready to go? Um, like I said, the Yankee fan here does go first. Even the numbers can't lie. Uh, <laughs> so, Devin, oh, you, got, you, got, you, got the, you got the toxic – I know. on your side this time, so I know. Um, so, 
it's so tough because I really didn't want the number one pick because there's about three guys that I'm I'm happy with and I think they're gonna go one, two, three. <sighs> Isaiah, can I can I can I really be a Yankees fan coming in here for my first show ever with free baseball if I didn't take none other than Aaron Judge with the number one pick. Historic season. Haven't seen it since really a Babe Ruth-esque in Yankees history. And so I'm going to go there and judge. Number one pick. I feel confident. We have to rely on the dinger. All right. So Dev has officially won, but let's keep going with the <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. All he has to do is smack maybe like one nice homer. And I think that – well, I don't know. He's batting second too. So it's uh, is he going to get the RBI chance? But we'll see what happens. Uh, Davis, who do you got next after judge? I'm near positive if I don't pick uh, Shohei Otani, Jake's going to pick Shohei Otani. Hmm. Um, so I think I'm just going to take the easy way out and go with Shohei Otani. I mean, he'll probably, uh, like if he pitches, he'll strike out the side and then he'll hit a dinger, um, which is what I'm imagining. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Otani. Yeah, I would too. I so, uh, crazy. yeah, I'm going to go with Otani. Okay. All right, Jake, yeah. uh, you know, they took Judge and Shohei, my two picks. So, what do you have next? I mean, yeah, those are great picks. It's really hard. <laughs> this is this is why Ken Rosenthal was complaining. He was doing his own All-Star Game MVP draft. He's like, I can't decide. There's too many guys. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to decide between like choosing a guy who I think is really good, choosing a guy who I think would be really fun, or just going straight up homer pick. The homer pick, I'm sure you could guess who it was. <laughs> I'm gonna say that because I, I think he might. Uh, I think he might fall a little. But yeah, I'm gonna go with the guy that I already predicted. This isn't a typical number one pick. I'm going Ty France. I think he's gonna. He, he's you know he's the only guy out there that is like got a reason to like try as hard as he can yeah. to prove everybody like hey like you guys are so wrong for leaving me out of this game. So I, I think he's gonna be the most motivated to get it. So if he's out there and he steals like. If he steals a base too, just like just does everything, he, he may only play for an inning or something, but he's definitely going to get an at bat. I'm sure of it. So I, I'm going Ty France. That that might be a a, a sleeper pick, but I, I think that's fine. That, that there's so many choices in this draft, and they're all all stars anyway. They're all all stars, so it's not like you're picking from. Yeah, it's not like you're picking from the bottom of the trash heap or anything. So are we going to go again? Yeah, I was just going to say. Okay. Yeah, go. let's go. All right, all right. So. I, I there are some fun ones. There's one guy who I think is really good, and then there's also the Homer pick. So so I'm, I'm sort of struggling right now. Um, gosh, there's so many good players in baseball. I, I sort of want to go with the other Mariner, but I think I'm going to go with my boy Jose Ramirez with the first pick of the second round. Man has been absolutely incredible. He's going to walk twice and steal like five bases, which is totally fine with me. That would be a lot of points for my fantasy team, which he's on. But he's been really incredible this year. He hit two home runs just two days ago. So he's warming up for that home run derby later today, which we will be covering. Don't don't leave yet. You, you got to stay for the, for the main event of the evening absolutely. right before the, the home run derby. But, yeah, I'm going Jose Ramirez. It's not Davis. This one's tough. There's two guys that I'm really thinking about. Um, I know exactly who you're thinking about too. For those two, uh, I don't think I don't think you do, Dan. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm between I'm between Byron Buxton and I'm between uh, my boy Wilson Contreras. And um, okay, so I kind of want to I kind of want to go with the homer pick for Wilson Contreras just because he mm -hmm. got kind of teary eyed um, uh, talking about like the trade speculation. Um, he also. In his last his last game for the Cubs, when he got a hit, he asked for the baseball. Um, so that leads me to believe he's 
probably going to be traded. So I would love for his last action as a Chicago Cub to be uh, socking two dingers in the All-Star game, winning MVP. So I'm going to go with Wilson Contreras here uh, just just to support my boy. Uh, please don't trade him, Jed. I hate you if you trade him. Uh, you might have to have some words. So don't trade Willie. He's my goat forever. Um, don't trade Willie. He's going to be the All-Star MVP. Dev, we go to you. I mean, like I said, I think you already won, but just for some insurance, what do you got next? <laughs> I've only made one pick, but it's Aaron Judge. But I'm, yeah, David sort of caught me off guard. I mean, these are my last two picks right here. So um, I really wanted Jose Ramirez to fall to me at one point. So that was a great pick. Um, I'm going to go with one of the most exciting Young players, generational talent. His dad pinch hit in a celebrity softball game for none other than Bad Bunny. So I'm going to go with Vlad Guerrero Jr. as one of my picks. Very good pick. And then I, I can't just stick in the AL. I got to go with someone in the NL. Um, it's – I love – about three of these guys still. Um, I'm going to go with the safe pick, and I'm going to go with Mookie Betts. So I'll have Judge, I'll have Mookie Betts, and then I'll have Vlad Guerrero Jr. as my three. Okay. A good team. Yeah. Solid for sure. Take those three. Davis, we kick it back to you. You got Shohei and Wilson Contreras. Who do you have next? I'm going to stay in the NL side, and I, I really think that uh, we've had other than other than Otani, we've had a distinct lack of pitching, and uh, this guy is very near and dear to my heart personally. Um, from this podcast, uh, I'm gonna take King Yinzer, Yinzer Supreme, David Bednar. Let's he's go. gonna strike out, he's gonna strike out the side, and yeah. he is gonna win all star MVP. He's just gonna gas up three poor AL hitters that are gonna have to face this large man from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and they're gonna they're gonna feel it, they're gonna feel it deep in deep in their bones. David Bednar is gonna. <laughs> going to cause immense harm to them maximum damage david bednar he's going to do it uh i've got all my i'm putting all my eggs in the basket i'm going to open up fanduel sportsbook and i'm going to place a bet on it right now that david bednar <laughs> thirty thousand dollars you won't do it i'm not made of money <laughs> david, <laughs> david bednar all-star mvp i'll send you five dollars and then you can you can do the rest of the twenty nine thousand nine hundred ninety five. okay um, I, I think that's fair <laughs> Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's really hard to guess now, I, or to choose. Yeah, I, like, you got to bring in the closer now, Jake. Yeah, bro, I know. I want Mr. Irrelevant pick. Yeah, I want to go with the Homer pick. I want to choose Jock Peterson, uh, my Jack. boy, but I'm not going to. I, I don't. Not been as hot as he has been recently. Uh, it would be fun to choose William Contreras just to spite Davis. Uh, it, like, there's so many like meme ones and really good ones. Like Arias mm-hmm. would be really funny. To choose, I, I think, and th- there's so many really good ones like um, freaking Trey Turner, Ronald Acuna, Bryce Hart. And Bryce isn't in it. Albert Pujols would be a good meme one. There's so many good guys, but yeah, I mean, I don't think we've got enough pitchers. Shane Bieber won in 2020. I gotta go with one of my favorite pitchers, maybe my favorite pitcher in baseball, freaking Sandy Alcantara. He's gonna come in there blowing gas. He's gonna show all the people that have never seen him pitch just how crazy. He is, which I've been watching him for two or three years now and been talking him up for so long that he is, you know, one of the best pitchers in baseball. They might as well. I mean, I think if they put him in, he might not let them take him out 
<laughs> he's that guy who's just like yelling at his manager, like Max Scherzer style, like, no, get back in the dugout. Like if they put him out there, I don't think he's going to go back in the dugout. He's going to throw the whole game. So uh, uh, I guess he's, they're going to have to wait until the, uh, to the ninth inning to let him close it out or the eighth inning or something, because I don't think Sandy's going to go sit down, but Sandy is going to be my pick. Um, <laughs> no, sir. I'm not a devil race fan. I've got like 30 baseball hats. I try to wear a different one every episode. And this one is super sick. I, if you don't like this hat, I don't know how, what, what kind of baseball hats you like, but I'm sure it's ones with like poop emojis on them or something. <laughs> and Jake, you had mentioned Shane Bieber winning, uh, all-star MVP. Do you remember the pitcher before Shane Bieber that won, uh, since the year 2000, there's only been two pitchers that won all-star MVP. One of them is Shane Bieber. Can anybody name me the other one? Yes, I can name one because I was just researching. Of course. Mariano he Rivera. Mariano Rivera. I was just gonna, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Was that in his final year, right? His final yeah. Year. yeah. So look, I just want to say real quick, because I, I want everybody to pick, of course. Devin had Aaron Judge, Vlad Jr., and Mookie Betts. Dev wins. Uh, then Davis has Shohei, Wilson Contreras, and David Bednar. He actually might Bednar. Bednar. <laughs> Bednar. And then we got uh, Bednar. Bednar with emphasis, by the way. And then we got yeah, Jake <laughs> with Ty France, Jose Ramirez, and Sandy Alcantara. Actually, he might win, too. So they all might win. Uh, but who do you think is going to win? Now, I will say this. I got one pick. I only need one. I only need one. If it's not Judge, it's going to be this man. He's going to come in. He's going to pinch it. You oh. just mentioned Marion Rivera in his last All-Star game. This man's going to come in and smack a pinch hit home run with a runner on base. It's going to be Albert Pujols. Okay. That's all I'm going to say there. It, all he has to do is smack a home run and he's got it. Am I wrong? Or am I right? You're completely right. Um, before we move on though, go ahead, Dev. I said he was going to be gassed out after tonight. After he hits <laughs> those three home runs in the first round, he's going to be gassed. Yeah, Davis sent me a really funny tweet of just like some guy dying. <laughs> it was just like Albert Pujols after like five home runs in the home run derby. After, after, like, after yeah. three swings. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's the cop from Breaking Bad wheezing. Like. <laughs> so good. Yeah, so before we move on, I forgot to add these to the rundown, so I'm just going to run through them really quick. They released the uh, all-star lineup, so if you don't follow Passin on Twitter – do that right away because he's yeah you know, now he's not like a crazy good follower like we'll follow like foolish baseball where he's going to give you all these stats and stuff but if you want to be on top of all the news you better be following passing at jeff passing uh, i'm sure there's nobody that's watching this podcast that doesn't know who he is um but yeah so they've got the american league's got otani leading off at dh judge playing right field batting second batting third is uh rafael devers playing third and batting fourth vlad jr at first fifth is john carlos stanton in left field, you got Buxton in center batting seventh, sixth. You got um, Tim Anderson batting seventh and playing shortstop. Andres Jimenez playing second and batting eighth and batting ninth. Uh, this guy should be batting cleanup. I don't know why he's all the way down there. Alejandro Kirk, the catcher of the day. And then in the National League, we got Acuna leading off and playing right field. Mookie playing center field some for some reason and batting second. Machado's batting third and playing third. Both third basemen, both starting third basemen, batting third. So somebody was having a field day. We got Goldschmidt cleaning up as the first baseman. Trey Turner's batting fifth and playing shortstop. We got Wilson and William Contreras batting back-to-back. -back. That's got to be very cool for both of them. I mean, I could not imagine doing anything that cool with my brother, but one of them is playing catcher, the older one, and the younger one is 
playing DH. Then you got my boy Jock Peterson batting eighth, playing left. And Jeff McNeil rounds it out, playing second base. And the starters for the day, which I think is even cooler than these, are Shane McClanahan for the American League side. Totally deserving. If, if you read my last top performers article, I just wrote just the longest list of things that McClanahan is leading and all the crazy stuff that he's been doing this season. He's, he's insane. And he was, he's like one of my favorite pitchers along with uh, Sandy. So been loving what he was doing and a cool one, but I mean, also not my fave Clayton Kershaw, Los Angeles Dodgers starting the game in Dodger stadium. That is super sick. I'm glad they did that. It should have been Sandy obviously, but it's dope. I mean, you got to give Kershaw the start. This is going to be the last all-star game that he's going to see in Dodger Stadium, so you got to get him on the mound to start the game. He's going to get a massive standing ovation, and he totally deserves it as a Hall of Famer already. Tell you what, that might be a sleeper pick right there. I'm surprised somebody picked Kershaw. That's hey, you know I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> so, so you guys did last week was it a uh, a mini draft, right? Or, mm-hmm. or was it? So, you got some uh, statistics here so far. So, I see uh, Davis wound up picking. Sandy Alcantara, Shane Bieber, and Jose Quintana. Uh, they combined for pretty good numbers. It was uh, They had only had 3.6 ADRA, 22 strikeouts across 22 innings. And then you got Jake picking my boy, McClanahan, and Webb. That's basically my fantasy oh, pitching rotation right there. And Colt Irving. So uh, how do you guys feel about your uh, draft last week, Jake? Sure, yeah. It was uh, pretty crazy because uh... – uh, we did it in rounds. This was the inaugural inaugural mini draft, which we are going to do weekly. We've already got one in this episode, and we're going to do one more. So we, we, we got to go and look at the results, see who won, see who's going to have to do something embarrassing at the end of the year. Right now, it's not looking like it's going to be me, although <laughs> it was looking pretty bad for me at the beginning. like Because I wrote these in the order that they're in the rundown, which is Davis's first. And his first two starts, he had Sandy going eight innings and allowing two runs and striking out 12. Boom. Shane Bieber then threw a freaking complete game, allowing just one run. And I was like, oh, man, how did my pitchers do? Like, this is not looking good. And then I pulled up Jose Quintana, who was pitching in course. Yeah, he got trashed. Five innings. Allowed allowed (laughs) six earned runs in five innings, more earned runs than innings pitched. So that sort of weighed down its numbers to a 3.68 ERA and a .82 whip in 22 innings with 22 strikeouts. Not the best. Still pretty solid, though. That that would be some pretty solid streams if uh, Davis was playing fantasy. But on the other end, since we had sort of tiers of pitchers, I had McClanahan to match up with Sandy, Logan Webb to match up with Bieber, and Cole Irvin, like you said, to match up with Quintana. And McClanahan was really solid. He only allowed one run in six and a third innings. He only allowed three base runners, though, and struck out six batters. So that really helped him there. Logan Webb was also really solid. He shut out whatever team he freaking faced for, for six innings. Really solid. Struck out eight batters. My boy, his dad follows me on Twitter. And uh, Cole Irvin rounded it out. And, you know, this is where it was going to make or break the whole thing. Like if Cole Irvin allowed three or four runs, I think I might have lost it, even though like Quintana was was so bad. Davis's first two starts were so good. Irvin went six innings, allowed only one run and struck out four against the freaking Houston Astros. Yes, sir. So that gave me 18 and a third combined innings where I where my pitcher struck out 18 and had a sub one ERA with a 0.66 whip. And I'm going to I'm going to have to say. That's a win for me. Sorry, Davis. That's tally one yeah. for me. How did you feel about your pitchers going? Did you watch them this week? Were you following at all, or are you just like surprised to see it all right now? I was following. Um, I was following Sandy, of course. I love Sandy. Um, Bieber too. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't know Quintana um, just absolutely got blown up. But it was like 
it was tough because we only had two picks for each uh, each section. So I chose Quintana first because he's facing the Rockies. And that was like, I think that was before Bryant came back. Um, I want to say Crone had like a minor issue too. So like their lineup wasn't looking super strong. And they got, he got destroyed by the Rockies in course, which of course was like not good. But I kind of banked on like, well, it's still the Rockies. Like, I mean, even out, like even in course, their offense is good. But I kind of banked on Cole Irvin, who's not like a huge strikeout pitcher, um, to kind of get roughed up by the Astros. And he just locked it down, which really mm-hmm. sucked. Um, shout out to Q, Jose Quintana. Uh, I love that guy, being a Cubs fan. Um, of course, I'm wearing Braves hat. That guy's guy roasting the hat still here. Um, so, like, yeah, uh, Quintana really sold me out. Um, not happy with that man right now. Um, not looking good starting off the first mini draft. You got a long time to come back. There's a whole second half, oh, baby. Yeah, it would be pretty embarrassing I if you had to buy like Yankee tickets front row. Pretty embarrassing. <laughs> anyway, you know. <laughs> so. not picking Quintana again, no matter what. You didn't pick him. You got stuck with him because uh, you went first. I was taking nobody. So, <laughs> yeah, so, having nobody yeah. would be better than him. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure that. Uh, I, I went with Urban, but maybe you did choose Quintana. I, I'm I'm not totally sure. Now I'm gonna have to go back and watch. Oh, but now I mean, now that I'm thinking of it, if if you went first and you chose Sandy, then I chose McClanahan and Webb, and then you got. Oh no! Then we started switching off after that. Yeah. After when? We, okay, yeah. So I had to choose both my hometown guys. So yeah, you sort of got stuck with Quintana, which is uh, pretty messed up on my part to let you uh, land with the guy pitching in course. <laughs> but um, you know, got got to take my dubs whenever I can. Unbelievable. So guys, speaking of guys, yeah, this guy's a waiver wire rat in fantasy. I ought to know. I ought to know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Look, look. Speaking of hometown guys, we had the futures game, of course. Jake, who were you most impressed with, and why was it Shay Langlers? Yes. Why was it Shane Langlears? Because he won the Larry Doby Award, which is the MVP of the Futures game, which was this past weekend on Saturday. I didn't get to watch it. I'm really excited to hear what Devin has to say because I know that he watched it. And this is like, I'm, I'm really glad he's on here because, you know, I, I love having eyes on stuff like that. But Shane Langlears won MVP, get a home run off Jared Schuster of the Braves in the fourth, which was cool because they were former teammates because Langliers was on the Braves before that Matt Olson trade. And uh, he also caught Corbin Carroll, who's one of the top prospects in baseball on the base pass, tried, caught him stealing second, um, was, was trying to trying to rob his team. And he said, nah, uh, I don't, I don't mess with that. And yeah, Langliers is sick. Uh, don't know what the A's are going to do with all the catchers they have, but Langliers is a really good defender. He's got a big arm. And he hit a home run, which showed off his power. Really excited to see what he can do in the majors. But yeah, he was definitely the one who impressed me the most, but yeah, I really want to hear what Devin thought of Langliers and what he thought of this game in general. Yeah, this was exciting. I usually don't get the chance to watch uh, the Futures game in years past, but this year was really interesting because I knew if I was going to come on this show, I had to get my research done. So all of a sudden, I'm keeping track of notes, and before I know it, I had like two-page worth of notes on random hitters, random pitchers, and I'm like, what is happening right now? But it was a great game. It was high scoring early on. One of the guys that I was impressed by, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but I put it in the group chat. I think it was just the main chat with the Athletes Hub. But Gunnar Henderson from the Baltimore Orioles, he's going to be a real problem in the MLB. He starts off the game in the first inning with a walk, and then all of a sudden um, 
a pass ball comes through. Not only does he advance one base, he does not stop. He turns second and goes straight for third. A play like that when you're a young guy like Gunnar Henderson who already is climbing his way to the top. He's number five um, over in the prospect rankings across the MLB. So I thought he was fascinating. I thought Zach Veen was fascinating. Each of his first two at-bats was a pair of singles, also had a stolen base. Uh, he's going to be interesting for the Rockies moving forward, number 22 prospect in the MLB. And then you get guys that are just bashing home runs left and right. Matt Walner, Jason Dominguez. I know Isaiah can't stop talking about this guy, <laughs> even though we failed to talk about the fact that he's dropping baseballs. He's definitely a raw prospect, struck out in his first at-bat. But still, he made up for it in the third inning. Um and yeah, I thought what's interesting too is for the pitchers, which we don't normally talk a lot about because it's usually just one inning and then just move on to the next guy. Jack Leiter for Texas got through a whole entire inning pitch across just eight pitches. He was putting the ball in the strike zone, forcing outs. I thought he was fascinating. Um, of course, we'll talk about his former teammate joining him because of the MLB draft. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of these pitchers though were getting – knocked around but the fact that we saw five of the top eight prospects in the MLB in this one game was just fascinating I almost feel bad for the American League pitchers because three of the top seven made up three of the top four hitters in the National League lineup you saw Francisco Alvarez the catcher for the Mets you saw um, Corbin Carroll the outfielder for the Diamondbacks and you also saw Jordan Walker the third baseman over for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. So American League pitching definitely faced a tough task in the first couple of innings, but great, fascinating game. And I'm excited to see, you know, what happens with these players in the years moving forward. Well said, well thought out. Davis, you have any thoughts on the Futures game, on the, on the results of the Futures game? Yeah, I, I kept up with it. Um, I was watching golf during um, during the Futures game. <laughs> Big so. fan. Yeah, big fan. Uh, absolute bum. I watched a uh, uh, cup cup stop prospect that was in there. Pete Crow Armstrong he scored, so that was cool. Um, he also got mic'd up in the outfield. Um, he got to talk about. He got to meet Ken Griffey Jr. and he just said, uh, "Hi, my name is Pete." And he didn't say anything else. So sounds like a good interaction. Um, I mean, this it's always a cool event. I did see the highlights. Uh, Mason as Mason win. Um, through an Whoa. absolute laser to first hundred. What was it? One hundred point five miles an hour. It's yeah, the down. fastest throw yeah. ever clocked by an infielder. And this was two days after O'Neill Cruz set the record with 97.5 and everybody was losing their mind. Like, oh my gosh, O'Neill Cruz is going to be the GOAT. He just threw a ball 97 miles per hour from the infield from shortstop. Mason Wynn probably saw that and was just like, right, no, uh, that's no, nothing. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know if this will be like the official record because it wasn't in MLB, although it was officially clock, clocked by StatCast. So I'm not really sure how that's going to work. I think I don't think anybody's going to take that record away from him. He's probably going to mm -hmm. top it at some point when he makes the majors. But Davis and I just talked about him. As 80 grade arm. The, yeah, yeah. We talked about him in the in the Futures game uh, preview where I had every player's best tool and Mason wins was an 80 arm. And that's something where it's just like, mm, like 80 arm, like, who cares at all, especially for Mike. Hey, on stop. I care now. Like, oh man. Like that, that wasn't lying. That is an 80 arm. He like, he beat the record by three miles per hour. And that's like from, and that was, everybody was already losing their mind. So yeah, Mason Wynn is going to be an incredible fielder at shortstop for the Cardinals. Of course. So, I mean, 
uh, just the cool highlights, um, seeing the future of baseball, Zach Bean got a couple hits. Um, he was one of the guys that I talked about that I was interested in, in like keeping up with and seeing, um, uh, in the previous podcast, kind of not recapping, um, previewing, Preview. uh, previewing the yeah. game. Yeah. Previewing the game. So Zach Bean, uh, showed out, uh, did me proud. Um, God, I think me and Jake just want the Rockies to be good so bad. I do at least. I don't do know about we? Jake. Well, yeah. Yeah, just the one time at least. Like, just try. Try your best. Try not yeah. to suck. There were, there were some other things that, that happened in, in the game, though, that I wanted to just run down real quick. Everyone knows how fast I can talk. Uh, Davis's dog is uh, really interested in giving his thoughts on, on this part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, we had uh, Bobby Miller striking out the side, which I don't know how people feel about the uh, the wording of that because he didn't do it one, two, three in the in the same order. But we will get to that. He struck out Jason Dominguez, Anthony Volpe, and Matt Walner. Sorry, Yankees fans, but a couple of those guys would make up for it later. Uh, specifically, Jason Dominguez, he made up for an error as well, dropping a fly ball that allowed two runs to score. He had a 415 home run off the my. Giants Kyle Harrison in the third inning and Matt Walner also made up for that strikeout hitting a 115.8 mile per hour home run which you don't really see too often that's legit power right there Oscar Colas the former Cuban Shohei Otani as he was dubbed before he made a stateside debut made a diving catch to rob Dusty Baker's son Darren in the fifth inning and then Emerson Emerson Hancock made everybody feel fine about that uh wording of the Bobby Miller striking out the side because he struck out the side in order in the sixth inning struck out Zach Veen Mark Vientos who was added to the roster later and uh, Jordan Lawler so it was really an exciting game always fun to see the young big guys in the uh in the minor leagues because th this is the future this is these are the guys that are going to be in the all-star game these are the guys that we're going to be talking about for the next 10 20 years maybe not every single one of these guys but at least one of these guys that we've talked about is going to be a huge star in baseball in the very near future yes and if they happen not to be for whatever ungodly reason of course we had the mlb draft we just saw jordan lawler he was uh you know he was just in the futures game after being drafted last year of course uh so a lot of the future being borrowed from the past, I would say. You got, you know, the sons of legends being drafted. Andrew yeah. Jones, Matt Holidays, you know, so many. But is there anybody in particular besides Spencer Jones that really <laughs> has you looking forward to the future? Uh, I'm going to stick with uh, Davis. Is there anybody in particular that you're looking forward to seeing? What are, what are your thoughts overall? Um, yeah, uh, I'm really interested in Gavin Cross. Of course, he was drafted out of Virginia Tech. He's, he's their highest, uh, I think he's their highest pick draft pick ever. Um, and that's pretty cool. Um, I've been to a lot of like tech sporting events. I went to Radford University and I'm from Virginia. Um, Radford's like a stone's throw from Virginia Tech. So I got to watch them, um, watch their sports. So it's cool. It's cool to see like a more local guy, um, to me kind of succeed at this level. Um, he's taken by Royal, uh, by the Royals who have a soft spot for too. Um, I think he's the first baseman, so he's going to have to duke it out with um, with outfield. Oh, outfield! See, I, I swear I thought he was like a, a first base, like outfield kind of guy. Um, so never mind. I was going to say he's going to have to compete with Nick Prado. Doesn't need to. Uh, they'll go. So um, he's going to. He's obviously got a lot of power. Um, good hit tool as well. He's going to be hopefully hitting home runs alongside him and Vinny for a long time. We kind of joked in the uh, kind of joked in the chat, um, like, well, whoever they're going to pick is going to be the most Italian guy. Maybe not. Um, Gavin Cross, not so much. Um, but yeah, I'm excited about him. 
And uh, I, I also thought the um, the selection of Kumar Rocker was pretty interesting because I literally sent a tweet that like I think it I don't remember who it was, but um, it was one of the the major reporters saying like there's a strong chance Rocker is going to go a lot higher than people think, and he literally got picked the same pick like a a minute later, um, which was pretty cool. Devin, uh, did you catch the draft? Is there anybody in particular that caught your eye? Oh, yeah, I caught the draft. Listen, I'm not just going to watch the Futures game and not pay attention to the draft, too. One guy that interested me, at least in the top 10-wise, was um, the guy from Pittsburgh, Tamar Johnson, the second baseman. I don't know if you guys caught this, but the interview afterwards, he said he wants to play shortstop. He's fighting for Mm -hmm. a spot at shortstop, and everyone else on social media is saying, oh, wait, you got that young stud, O'Neal Cruz. How are you going to go ahead and replace him? But he gave a very good answer. Um, I think he's in the same tier, at least, when it comes to a guy like Jackson Holiday. when it comes to a guy like Drew Jones. I've really liked three of those top four picks. Not as big on Kumar Rocker. I thought that was definitely a little bit of a reach. Um, but it's nice to see Kumar Rocker join his Vanderbilt teammate, Jack Leiter, like I mentioned before. Um, Kumar is interesting because since pitching at Vanderbilt, he only has 20 innings pitched on the mound. So I'm interested to see how he's utilized with the Texas Rangers. Um, and aside from that, I thought there was a couple of other reaches. Jacob Berry, for one, especially for the Marlins, spends a lot of time as a designated hitter. Yes, the National League is adding the designated hitter. It's become universal. Um, but I think if he's going to be that full-time designated hitter moving forward, there's a lot of pressure on his bat because he is a defensive liability at third base. Great points. Yeah, absolutely. Jake, what do you, what did you think? Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, me, I spent freaking hours on the rundown, so I'm going to run down the uh, top okay. 10 real quick. <clears throat> uh, maybe not as fast as I can. Cause <laughs> I don't want people to uh, go off two times speed that I know that they're going to be listening back to this podcast. Like I do. <clears throat> but we had a uh, Jackson Holiday go number one overall, which was, I don't know, blow, blew everybody's mind. I think everybody thought Drew Jones was going to go number one. We saw the son of Matt Holiday go number one. He is the third number one overall pick in Baltimore history after Adley Rutschman uh, just a couple years ago and Ben McDonald. He's the first high school position player taken with Baltimore's first pick since Manny Machado in 2010. And notable, he set a National League high school or national high school record with 89 hits in 2022, breaking JTO Rail. JT Ramuto's record. He won a couple of high school gold glove awards. His best tools are his hit and run tool. He's only 18 years old. He bats left, plays shortstop, obviously throws right. He was the second uh, ranked player pre-draft by MLB Pipeline. The first was Drew Jones, who was drafted second overall by the Diamondbacks, which is I, you don't really think a guy dropping one spot is a steal. This is a steal. He was like guaranteed number one overall. Some people like considered him the best high school prospect of the last four years behind Bobby Witt Jr. and Marcelo Meyer. So he's like, he's something else. He batted, he hit 16 home runs in his senior year. Uh, you want to know how many home runs I hit in high school? Uh, zero. I didn't even play baseball. Uh, he's got, and, it, and it's, and it's not even like it's just the hitting for him. His best tools are his run and field, which are at 70. So, yeah, no, I was not a pitcher. I didn't even play baseball. Um, his best tools are running field. So he's like he's like his dad and who won 10 gold glove awards in the major leagues. He's a really good fielder. He's really fast. And I think he's going to be a really good hitter. He went number two. He was the number one ranked prospect by MLB Pipeline. Kumar Rocker, like Davis mentioned, went number three to the Rangers, which is super surprising. He joins his former teammate from Vanderbilt, Jack Leiter, in the Rangers organization. He was the 38th pre-ranked 
player, which is interesting to see him go this high. That's one of the biggest discrepancies we've seen in the draft, other than a guy that I'll mention sort of soon taken by the Rays later on. His best tool is a 70-grade slider, and he is the fifth player ever to be taken in the top 10 twice behind Mark Appel, Danny Goodwin, Wade Townsend, and J.D. Drew. J.D. Drew was really good. Mark Appel just recently made his major league debut at like 30-something, so that's pretty cool. But he was pitching an indie ball last year after the Mets took him and then didn't sign him. He's still only 22. I think he's going to be really good. I think the Mets are stupid, and the Rangers are going to make him look real bad. And then, like uh, Dev mentioned, Tamar Johnson, he was the the guy that I told um, uh, the Athletes Hub own, Ray Ashworth, that he was going to be you know, the best player from this draft. He was given the best hit tool at 70. He was fourth ranked pre-draft. Pittsburgh Pirates get him. He may need to move to second base. You never know. Like, I think he could end up as the shortstop and O'Neill Cruz can move to right field, but he's still only 18 and he's a really good batter. So, I mean, that, that's, that's really all you need to know with him. Just like I, if some people were considering giving him an 80 grade hit tool, which you do not see. So he could really rise up the ranks really fast. Number five, Elijah Green. We're halfway through the first round. He was the third ranked pre-draft. He's got a 70 grade run tool. Ray was uh, comparing him to Ronald Acuna. His dad is was a former Pro Bowl NFL tight end, Eric Green. And he's their highest pick since Bryce Harper went number one overall in uh, whatever year that was, like 2010 or whatever. Uh, Jacob Berry, mentioned by Dev, also pre-ranked number seven. He goes to the Marlins. He's a big power guy. He's a switch hitter, which is pretty interesting. He batted 370 with 15 home runs at LSU. And his dad was also drafted in the fourth round. And I thought this might have been the most interesting fact I found of all the guys. His dad's name, Perry. Uh, wait, so his full name is Perry Berry? <laughs> Like yeah. Uh, sick. yeah, so what is is his grandma the uh that lady from the British Bake Off, uh Mary Berry? I just I just got all the jokes. I'm here all night, but um uh <laughs> none <laughs> that one that one bombed. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> Kate, no, fine. Uh Cade Horton went seventh overall. He was pre-ranked 24th. He went to the Cubs. There you go. Davis, his best tool is a slider, so he's probably similar to um Kumar, he's uh, 20 years old, but he's sort of interesting. He had a 794 in a regular season with Oklahoma last year. And then he sort of did everything that made him get drafted this high by posting a 2.61 ERA with 49 Ks in the College World Series. And he's already got Tommy John surgery in the rearview mirror. So maybe small sample size. I think the Cubs might look stupid because they, uh, they probably will. should be going for position players like they've done in the past. They're going pitchers early on. They took one in the second round as well. Uh, you got Brooks Lee going eighth to the Twins. He was the fifth-ranked pre-draft, 65-hit tool. He's a switch hitter as well. Very cool. The Twins are, are going to have a load of uh, hitting prospects, including uh, Royce Lewis and Keone Cavasso, who were shortstops taken by Minnesota in the first round in the last six years. He hit uh, 15 home runs and batted 357 at Cal Poly, right by me in uh, Southern California. Gavin Cross, who Davis mentioned, all-around type of guy. He was ranked 10th pre-draft. He's a lefty hitter and a lefty thrower. Hit 17 home runs in 15 games, 50 games at Virginia Tech. And he is the first Kansas City college bat since Hunter Dozier in 2013. And finally, Gabriel Hughes of the Colorado Rockies. And you know, the Rockies are going to do their best to make themselves look goofy. They took the lowest ranked guy other than Kumar Rocker, who you could say that the rank was sort of all over the place with him. He, he was ranked 26th pre-draft. He goes 10th overall. He but his best tool is a fastball. He pitched at Gonzaga last year. He struck out 138 batters, but he had an ERA over three, which is you know not what you want to see from a guy that's supposed to be dominating the 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 college ranks. But he's from Colorado, so maybe that played into it. You know, he's used to the thin air up there. He he may be able to uh, you know pitch through the things that make cores so 
terrible. But since I just talked for like half an hour, I want to let you guys cover the uh, draft Great. picks that you, that your favorite teams made because uh, I, I've got them noted on here with their pre-draft ranked and where they were drafted in their position. But you know, I got the Yankees, I got the Mets, I got the Braves, and uh, I mean, we we already covered the Cubs pick for a second up there with a uh, was that Jared Hughes? No, 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 it was uh, the other Kate guy. Horse. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I want to hear what you guys think. I'm, I'm going to let Isaiah take it back over. He's been hosting, but I want to hear some of his opinions. What he thinks on the Mets. I mean, I know he's a bigger Yankees fan than a Mets fan, but I know he's like best friends with Francisco Alvarez, yes. you know, messaging, okay. DMing him on Instagram and stuff. But yeah, I, I want to hear what you guys think of, of your team's picks. Hopefully he doesn't get traded for uh, Juan Soto because I'm mm-hmm. hoping that comes to the Yankees. But anyway, yeah, shout out Francisco Alvarez, man. Um, but yeah, we I, I think I like what we did with the with our pick. Of course, it's a late first round pick, and I, I think uh, Spencer Jones, from what I read up, I'm not as big on the prospects. I'm getting better watching my Renegades, but it's a, like a high risk, high reward, and I like that type of pick. A former pitcher, so no longer a two way player. We could have had, could have been. But once high ranked, I, I just like those kind of picks. RJ Barrett was once supposed to be the first round draft pick, and we went and got him at third. So, uh, I mean, Devin, what what do you think so far? I mean, about what we got with uh, Spencer? Did you read much on him? Yeah. Or did you just say six foot seven? Okay, six, he's seven two hundred. Aaron Judge, which one? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. This season over in the SEC, he was hitting three seventy. Um, across 61 games and 272 plate appearances. Isaiah, I'm, after this show, I'm going to send you a clip of him hitting one home run. And I'm telling you, when you see the clip, you're going to say, oh, my goodness, this man from the left side of the plate has an Aaron Judge-type swing. Like, that's the immediate comparisons. Before the Yankees even took him, I those were the comparisons that. that he was drawing because he is so centered around power. It's either a hit or a miss. But the Yankees needed a lefty in their lineup. So all of a sudden, we're talking about obviously he's not going to play anytime soon. I think he is definitely a project pick. There are some things to clean up, but he's a big guy. So I'm excited for that pick. I'm excited for a lot of these other picks. Um, you know, obviously, um, Parada, I thought was a great pick for the Mets. Um, as we see in the notes, he, his pre draft ranking was almost in that top five. And the Mets, I feel like, got a bargain with him over at the number 11 pick. Um, they also went ahead and got Jet Williams with the 16th overall pick, and his pre-draft rank was 21. So I thought they had a great first round. The New York New York won the first round. They won the first round of that draft. Yeah, Davis, uh, how, how are you feeling about your pick uh, in, in the draft overall? Uh, well, for Cade Horton, um, it kind of fit a theme, and I've, I've got a – all their picks on hand from day one and two so far with the draft. Um, and they've gone, uh, so one to 10, they've gone college, uh, college right-handed pitcher two uh, prep left-handed pitcher, three shortstop, uh, four prep right-handed five college right-handed pitcher, six college right-handed pitcher, seven college right-handed pitcher, eight prep hmm. right-handed pitcher and nine and 10 are both college right-handed pitchers. So I it's kind of, they had a plan. I think they had a plan, um, and that makes me lead. That leads me to believe that they're probably going to trade Wilson Contreras sometime during the All Star break and acquire hitting talent, um, which like they have some decent hitters in their farm already, like like the aforementioned Pico Armstrong, like Brennan Davis, um, like Miguel Amaya. Not so much anymore; is a little bit on the older side for a prospect, but um, they had a plan. Is it a good one? I don't know. Um, 
I mean, they got a bunch of pitching, which me and Jake talked about it. It's like, well, every every good rebuild is basically built on the back of a good hitting core, and then you find the pitching later. So they're either banking really, really high on the current crop of hitters that they have. Um, also, their third pick was like a shortstop, and that's literally the deepest position they have in their farm system right now, which doesn't make any sense. Um, but the Cubs don't make any sense because they're a terrible franchise. So um, there you go. I don't know. Um, I did like the Owen Murphy pick. I thought that was pretty interesting for Atlanta. I know that's not my team, but it's one of the teams, obviously, that I care about. Um, he's a two-way player, which is pretty interesting. He's a two-way player in high school. Um, I wonder who they got with uh, with the 35th pick that they traded the Royals for. Um, so they got him 20th, and then they grabbed um, another player, J.R. Ritchie, with that pick they actually traded for, which was pretty interesting. And he's a right-handed pitcher, uh, a 19-year-old, I believe. So interesting picks a lot of a lot of pitching taken uh in kind of a pitching light draft um yeah yeah so i don't know weird moves by the cubs but it's kind of expected because they're a dumpster franchise so mm-hmm. a non-dumpster franchise though the giants with the uh technical last pick of the first round i know there's compensatory picks and and competitive balance picks that are tech that are part of the first the first round but the 30th pick was uh the giants getting reggie crawford who they're going to turn into a two-way player or at least they're going to let him try which is you know a, a very common thing that you see in college is guys doing both especially in high school reggie's gonna keep doing that he's really yoked which is cool to see but yeah i mean he seems like he's gonna be like brendan mckay sort of where it's just like it may work out. It may not. He, he was 80th pre-draft ranked and he went 30th. So that's a pretty big reach. And uh, speaking of other reaches, though, I would love to uh, run down a few of these real quick. I know I listed pretty much everybody that was taken in the first round that had a, a 10 point discrepancy in pre-draft ranking and where they were actually taken. And then also anybody that was ranked inside the top 30. So projected to go in the first round that didn't. And so we got Cam Collier, who I think may be a really big steal for the Reds. He went 18th and was pre-draft ranked eighth. We've got Cooper Herpe. How do you pronounce that? H-J-E-R-P-E. I'm sure you didn't get made fun of that when he was in uh, middle school. Um, <laughs> but he, he went 22nd to the Cardinals. He was ranked 34th. You got shortstop Mikey Romero, who went 24th to the Red Sox and was ranked 65th. That's a big reach. Noah Schultz uh, sounds Jewish to me. Welcome, brother. 26th overall to the White Sox. He was ranked 49th. You got Eric Brown Jr. going to the Brewers at 27th. He was ranked 63. Here comes the biggest discrepancy probably of the whole night, at least from the first round. Xavier Isaac went to the Rays. He's a first baseman. He went as the 29th pick. He was ranked 113th pre-draft. So, uh, yeah, he's like around there way after the uh, – after even the third round, like he, he was wrecked, projected to go into the fourth round and he goes in the first round. Great for him. Uh, Ray's doing uh Ray's Ray's going to raise. Yes. <laughs> so weird. And then you got Dylan Beavers, a great name, 33rd to the Orioles. He was ranked 21. So he's, he, he slipped Jordan Beck slipped to the Rockies at 38th. He was 22 prior to the draft. Robbie Snelling went to the Padres 39th. He was ranked 16th. That's a big slip. Jackson Ferris went 47th to uh, Davis's Cubs. He was ranked number 19 pre-draft, so that's got to feel pretty good. Connor Prelip of the now of the Minnesota Twins went 48th. He was ranked 25th. You got Peyton Graham, a shortstop, went to the Tigers at 51st. He was ranked 28th. Blake Tidwell to the Mets. There we go. He was went 52nd overall. He was 27th prior to the draft. And the last guy who was projected to go in the first round, Carson Weisenhunt, got drafted by my Giants at 66th overall. I know I forgot to mention that Jackson Holiday. 
like I said, son of Matt Holiday. We got Drew Jones, son of uh, Andrew Jones. They're the first pair of sons of former major leaguers to be drafted one-two in the uh, in the draft. And then also Jackson Holiday is the first son of a major leaguer to be drafted number one overall since Ken Griffey Jr. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty good company. But yeah, I mean, there were there were a couple uh, other notable selections that I had of like players to keep an eye on because. You know, they have something interesting to mention about them. You got Jace Young, Jace Young, it's spelled Jung, who went 12th overall to the Tigers. His brother is in the Rangers organization, and he's like one of the top 100 prospects. You got Justin Crawford, who's the son of Carl Crawford. Uh, he went yeah, to the Phillies Rays. at 17th overall. Yeah, that one's going to be really interesting. Carl Crawford was really good. Also, yeah, Rays, exactly. Um, we also had somebody told me that uh, Mark McGuire's son got taken. I think I think that was uh, Davis who said that. Yeah, and, Mason uh, McGuire. Yeah, so th- that one should be interesting. Uh, hopefully he doesn't do roids. Uh, we got shortstop Zach Neto, who went 13th overall to the Angels. And I want to hear Dev's thoughts on this because I-, I know he had some relation. Uh, some relation. I, I want to put definitely emphasis on the sum there. Uh, uh, how do you know of-, of Zach Neto? Yeah, so I'm just sitting casually watching the draft, and all of a sudden when, I- when I'm not working in the athlete's hub, I'm still working sports 24-7 around the clock, so – the department that I work for, we look after um, 23 different varsity programs uh, over in college athletics. And our softball team is quite literally one of the most um, overperforming teams that we have over in our small school in New York. And then all of a sudden I see um, our department post an Instagram post saying congratulations to Zach Meadow, the older brother of um, his younger sister plays for our school softball team. And I'll tell you what, she's from Florida and she's, she's no joke either. So it, it clearly runs in the family, but it was just a very, like, I didn't put two and two together. I saw the last name Neto and I was like, just brushed right by it. And then all of a sudden I saw it all over social media mm-hmm. because I follow all of our teams and all the teams are wishing uh, him congratulations. So that's certainly going to be a player that I have my eye on um, coming out of this draft. Yeah, big shout out to uh, to Neto. He um, went to school at Campbell University, which is also pretty close to me, um, North Carolina. He played in the same. All of us. Yeah, he played in the same conference as Radford University, um, which is the Big South. So, Big South boy. Um, hopefully, he'll do well. All that's left to do is just invite him to the show. That's it. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> he'll feel right at home. Talk baseball. <laughs> so look. I know we could talk about these rookies all day. These are the future, though. We do have plenty of time to talk about the future, but we also have something real quick. We got the immediate future. This time of year is exciting because of the All-Star weekend. But for me, I'm always, maybe even a little bit more than the All-Star game, I look forward to the the trade deadline and seeing all the moves that happen. Um, Is there anything in particular? um, I know there's a lot of talks about Ben Attendee. Uh, I, I've saw Frankie Montes, huh, Jake? I don't know. Um, so is there anything you're looking at specifically, Devin? What are you uh, hoping to see happen besides maybe Benny to the Yankees? Well, here's the thing, right, is I don't think Ben Attendee, from what I've read and what I've seen, Ben Attendee is not going to end up on the New York Yankees because of his <laughs> vaccination status. And the Yankees still have to go in and play Toronto, and that becomes a very complicated situation. There's over 10 players not vaccinated on the Kansas City Royals, so you can pretty much 
any team that plays against the Toronto Blue Jays, you can pretty much guarantee they won't be trading with the Kansas City Royals um, towards this trade deadline, which allows us to sort of pivot over because I do think the Yankees are going to be inactive, unfortunately, because the one player I really wanted the Yankees to go after was another arm in Luis Castillo. I know he's there on our notes as well with the Reds potentially being buyers, but you got to see in one of his last outings against the Yankees, he went seven innings with only allowing two hits and one earned run, eight Ks against the Yankees. And guess what that did over towards the trade deadline? It's causing his trade stock to rise through the, the roof. And now they're asking for not just one, but multiple top prospects from the Yankees farm system in order to get an elite arm like Castillo. So I don't think the Yankees are going to be very active. I would like to see the Reds eventually move on from Castillo. I think he'd be well-suited for contender. I'd also, unfortunately, Davis, I know the Cubs last year were um, selling basically anybody and everybody, but this might, you mentioned it before, this might be the time of year where Wilson Contreras after this all-star break might be wearing a different uniform. I'm interested to see what you have to say. Um, I think that uh, the Ricketts family should sell the Chicago Cubs uh, first and foremost. <laughs> Um, because the Chicago Cubs, like I've said a million times on this podcast, have an article on theathletesub.org. I didn't forget it this time. Um, <laughs> nice. That uh, I don't think big market teams should ever rebuild. I don't think there's any reason to. Um, there's no excuse to. You, baseball yeah. has um, no salary cap. It just has a luxury tax. Um, the Chicago Cubs are the fourth most valuable team in all of baseball, and the fact that they are this bad in the middle of a rebuild um, – and in the middle of more or less what you could call uh, a semi-failed rebuild in the first place, because they had one of the most promising hitting, like hitting cores of uh, the last 20 years. And they won one world series and then kind of threw it, threw it away um, to trade Wilson Contreras. Now um, is probably the right move baseball wise, but they shouldn't be at this point is the thing. Um, they're kind of hamstrung by terrible contracts like uh like jason hayward uh they're hamstrung they could afford to release him now and 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 just pay him for the rest of his duration like for the rest of the duration of his contract and then they're not going to he's going to keep getting at bats there's a reason that uh jackson frazier is actually in the minor leagues kind of languishing um when he should be getting an opportunity like i've I've said before on the podcast that they're just they're a terribly run franchise they'll probably mm -hmm. trade wilson Contreras. um and it's frustrating. It's insanely frustrating. A lot of these guys, I, I don't really care about seeing them go um, apart from Wilson Contreras. I mean, they have a lot of guys that are more or less on rentals like Michael Gibbons, David Robertson, Angleton Simmons. Um, if someone wants to trade for him, I'll personally drive him there. Um, <laughs> like, uh, Marcus Stroman, I think, has an opt-out after the second year of his contract. Um, so he's uh, he's got a three-year deal, but he's got an opt-out somewhere in there. Um, Daniel Norris, Kyle Hendricks, Wade Miley. Hendricks, I would uh, I would hate to see go. He's one of my favorite players as well, but he's, he just doesn't have it anymore. Um, it's it's a frustrating time to be a Cubs fan. And there's a there's another team on this list that um, I think it's probably even even more frustrating time to be a fan of, and that's the Washington Nationals. Um, because I personally think if um, if you're a Nationals fan and they trade Juan Soto, regardless of the return they get, you should find a new baseball team. You should find a new baseball team to be a fan of. You should not continue to give the Washington Nationals and their owners any more of your money. Um, there's no excuse. Uh, he's basically, uh, if he retired tomorrow, he's on uh, Washington baseball's Mount Rushmore, and he's probably the first name you put on there, in my opinion, outside of like Strasburg. Zimmerman. Zimmerman. Like he's, he's on your Mount Rushmore. 
Um, Washington is not a small market, no matter how hard they try to convince you it might be. Um, they have, I mean, they have the Washington Commanders, they have the Washington Wizards, they have the Capitals, who are very good and have been very good. They're not as good anymore, but um, it's a team that, like, or it's a city that is a big sports city with a big market, and they can afford to pay him, and they have lowballed him with this most recent offer, which was 15 years, $440 million, sounds which crazy. sounds like so much money, but that's <laughs> only a $29 million AAV. He'd be making less money than Trevor Bauer is, um, who's not playing baseball. So um, that's kind of an insulting offer to give to Juan Soto, who, like, if they tr- if they trade him, um, a lot of people are, are like throwing out trade ideas like, oh, well, they'll just get him like he's some other run of the mill star. Like it'll be a big trade. It'll be an unprecedented trade haul that you'll have to give up to get Juan Soto. It's it literally does not happen that you will get a 23 year old who is at his rock bottom floor, still a top 15 hitter in baseball, like rock bottom. Like if, if he's having the worst season of his career, he's still in the top 15 for hitters. And if he's having a down season, he's probably still top 10, top five. Yeah that does not happen. He's going to be, if he hits free agency at 25, someone will give him half a billion dollars or whatever he wants. Um, and the Washington nationals should be the one to do that. Cause it sounds like he doesn't want to leave from a lot of the, uh, the interviews he's been giving, but if they let him go find a new team, they don't deserve your money. They don't deserve your fandom. Teams like this should not be able to get away with just, uh, throwing away their future of baseball and their fandom, um, just for, uh, just for their bottom line. Um, uh, it's, they're all billionaires. They can all afford it. So, yeah. Um, the same thing goes for the Ricketts family. Um, they're, uh, in my opinion, I think they're cancer on baseball not just Chicago, um, Chicago baseball, they're cancer on baseball as a whole by taking one of the most historic franchises who are of course a loser. It is what it is. Um, but to take them and to, uh, willingly mortgage your future for a GM who seemingly doesn't really have a good plan, um, to build a new sports book attached to Wrigley and to buy up all the surrounding properties. So you gentrify the surrounding area of Wrigley field um, and then try to capitalize on the fact that Wrigley's now a historic landmark. And then you won't pay your one player that your fans actually love. Yeah, that's not acceptable. Uh, it's not acceptable in the slightest. Um, and he should get out of baseball. I, I, I mean, like, I, I feel like we should clip that entire take. <laughs> it's perfect. It was on the mark. I'll email it to Ricketts himself. I felt yes. the emotion. I felt it. I felt it. And that, that was all true. Jake, good luck following up with that. But do you have <laughs> anything to say after that one? Yeah, I don't think my words are going to be as harsh, even if I do talk about the A's, who I totally agree need yeah. to go in a different direction with ownership because they just don't spend enough money. But we knew this going into the season. We've known this for a while. The A's are not going to be competitive for a long time because their owner is cheap AF and does not want to spend money. So that leaves a lot of their star players on the board for this trade deadline upcoming. So there, there's a lot of guys to watch there. You got Frankie Montas, Ramon Laureano, and Lou Trevino. Trevino's not been that great last year or this year, but if you look at his underlying metrics, he's been really good. Sean Murphy could also get traded, especially with them taking another freaking catcher in the draft this past draft, which didn't make sense to me because they literally took one two years ago and they already have Shailen Gleer as the Futures Game MVP and Sean Murphy is like 26. So I, I don't know why they want all these catchers on their team. Maybe well, it's the, oh, the no, 
they don't have any they don't have enough guys to trade for Juan Soto but yeah I mean yeah it's it's a market inefficiency maybe they 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 see something with all the catchers they got they'll definitely be selling I could see their all-star Paul Blackburn getting traded because he's obviously at the peak of his his trade value right now I put all like the sellers together on the um rundown I'm gonna spare everybody me running through the like 50 plus names that I got on here. Thanks to a MLB trade rumors article, which has like the top 50 players that could be traded as well as some more at the bottom. So go check that out. Like just look up a trade deadline preview and click on and maybe add MLB TR to that. They're a really good website. Um, there, there's lots of interesting names though. They could be on the block. The Orioles, they've been really good. So like, you don't really know, and especially a lot of these guys uh, do have a lot of, um, control still left i think mancini could be on the way out but you know fan favorite work through cancer uh, it's going to be hard for them to part ways with him but jorge lopez is definitely the one to watch there he's an all-star he was their only all-star he's been a really good closer in his first year in the bullpen i, I think a lot of teams could be wanting somebody like that uh, a couple of the teams to watch out for in that regard the padres could be interested in that the phillies always need bullpen help the, the twins the, the blue jays um Every team is looking for relief pitcher help, and that is going to be one of the biggest additions anybody can get. You can see Whit Merrifield on the on the go from the Royals, along with Zach Grinke as well, which could be interesting. Um, I don't think Scott Bar- Barlow goes. He's got too much control left. But, yeah, Whit along with Ben Benintendi, both of those guys are unvaxxed, though. Uh, sorry to put that out there. I know there's hippo laws. <laughs> HIPAA. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so it, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Witt has had a down year, but both those guys are really good contact hitters. Uh, the Tigers don't really have too many options. They're the worst team in baseball. So obviously they're going to have some terrible players. They've got a lot of bullpen arms. So I think people are going to come calling for those guys, Chafin, Fulmer, Jimenez. We'll see where they end up. We covered the A's. The Rangers are sort of in between right now. So there's no reason for them to hold on to everybody. Martin Perez should be on the block. I think they're going to extend him or something like that. I think he's a hometown guy. He's had his breakout season this year. Um, same with a couple other veterans that they have on their team. I could see like bench pieces going out to other teams, but I don't see the Rangers making a lot of moves. I think they hope to be competitive next year. The Angels are an interesting one to watch. They do have Noah Syndergaard. Will he be traded? He signed a one-year deal with them this offseason, and he could definitely be traded. The Angels are not going to make the playoffs, but you know, Angels are pretty goofy. Nationals, we covered that. You know, if they trade Juan Soto, they're going to trade Josh Bell. They're going to trade Nelson Cruz. They're going to trade possibly even Victor Robles, who who needs a change of scenery. So uh, come calling if you need bats. The Washington Nationals have got them. The Marlins have got a lot of relievers. They're sort of in like the same boat as the Orioles where they want to be competitive next year. So they don't really have all the incentive to trade all their guys right now. But Pablo Lopez has sort of been on the block for the last few years. And the Marlins have tons of pitching in the minors, in the majors. Pablo Lopez, Eliezer Hernandez should be on the block as well. We covered the Cubs. Thanks for that, Davis. Um, the Reds have uh, Luis Castillo, we mentioned. They've also got Tyler Molly, who's an interesting pitcher. Both of these guys, I think, have one more year of control at the, at the least. But they've got other guys like veteran bats like Brandon Drury and Tommy Pham who – have been having pretty solid years this year or having a breakout season. If they don't trade them, uh, I don't know what the Reds are doing. They, they love trading guys that uh, don't need to be traded. So I could definitely do, see them doing the opposite of guys that need to be traded and not trading them. Pirates, sort of same boat. Uh, they're not too great. They've got controllable guys. I don't think that, that they are going to be selling Brian Reynolds and Dave Bednar. Those guys are just too good. They have too much control. They can be part of the next good team. The final two teams are in the NL West. You got the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. 
just going to say this. Rockies aren't going to trade. They're, they're so stupid. Um, don't forget, <laughs> they had John Gray last year. The man oh, said, I'm not resigning with you. They didn't trade him at the deadline. Didn't get anything back from him. And then, you know, you, oh, so they're going to give him a qualifying offer, you know, to at least get some draft picks back. They didn't even give him the qualifying offer. They were just like, yeah, sure. Like, go away. We won't, we don't want anything in return for you. We didn't make the postseason. They're so stupid. I love the They may trade a reliever. They may trade Huli's chess scene and probably not because he, he came up. He's been with the Rockies for a while. So yeah, they're, they're going to do some stupid stuff, but the Diamondbacks need to uh, trade away their relievers. Mark Melanson's going to be on the go. Ian Kennedy is going to be out of the door. Caleb Smith, probably as well. Noe Ramirez, Christian Walker is probably the most interesting addition you can get there. Joe Mantiply will be really interesting as well he was their all-star but he's like 31 probably not part of the future but christian walker provides a lot of power he's got a big power um but yeah there's gonna be a lot of buyers we've got three wild card spots so pretty much anybody can make it in the postseason everybody's gonna need relief pitching there's only a few teams that need bats you know the phillies need infielders the padres need outfielders the guardians need outfielders and the yankees need outfielders the blue jays could use a second baseman and the giants need a catcher for sure. But yeah, there's a, there, there's lots going on, but I, I put two questions here on the rundown. I know I keep like sort of switching in between uh, uh, MC of the show with uh, Isaiah in somewhat of a fashion, more just like taking the show over by myself. But uh, I've got, I got a couple questions. I want to hear each of your guys predictions on who you think the team will be that makes the most moves, you know, Jerry DePoto style. And who do you think is going to be the ultimate winner of the deadline? Like, uh, uh, the GM of the uh, Padres the last few years just going crazy. Uh, I'll send it back to Devin first, and then he can choose whoever he wants to go next. Yeah, team to make the most moves. I'd like to see, I think, I'm going to go with most moves. I'm going to go with with the Nationals. I think the Nationals are going to unload, and I think Juan Soto is just the first domino in that effect. Once he goes, the rest of the team is on its way out. Um, talk about Josh Bell, Nelson Cruz, uh, Victor Robles, among others, and winner of um, uh, of the whole entire trade deadline is going to be whatever team ends up trading for Juan Soto. So it's sort of a give and take right there. Um, I, I mean, no, I don't think Giants. the Yankees are going to end up getting Giants. him. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe the Mets end up paying the big bucks for him. But whatever team ends up getting him, if they can get him at somewhat of a bargain i mean he's one of the most generational players that we have in the league today very very young but i'm going to go with the nationals for most moves um in terms of selling i'm going to go with whatever team trades for juan soto as the winners you know not as a yankee fan but as a baseball fan i'm looking at the big buyers that uh jake so greatly put together and i see one team that needs outfield help <laughs> and, 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 and it, I don't see it happening. Let's get that straight. But what I like to see, if it's not the Yankees, Juan Soto next to Fernando Tatis, and God forbid, Manny Machado as well. Would that not be like well, – is that the biggest three in baseball? Like in who knows how long? That would be insane to watch. Um, but, you know, one team, I, I think we got to – the Red Sox are always aggressive around the trade deadline. <laughs> made some really big moves. (laughs) Um, And Chris Sale just went down with another injury, so you can't expect Mm -hmm. much from him. He's probably going to go trash up another minor league uh, locker room. Uh, He's probably going to get injured again. Well, I'm just – I hope he gets better. I do want to see him pitch and uh, do well. But, yeah, you got to think about the Red Sox being in there. They have – they've never been shy to trade away players. I actually 
kind of see them as a sleeper pick for somebody like Andrew Benatendi for some reason. I don't know why I see that. It's just at one point they looked like the Red Sox might have been sellers. But uh, now they're in it, and if they want to contend, which I know they do, they see what the Yankees are doing, I expect them to really make a flurry of moves. Davis, uh, what do you see happening? I mean, who do you see making the most? Um, Before I give my predictions, I thought I'd give uh, a cool little fun fact about one of the names that was on the rundown. Um, Cesar Hernandez is actually the first player in Nationals history to finish the first half of the season with over 400 plate appearances and no home runs. Huh. Wow. Well, he's, uh, I want that guy on my team. He's the, he's the first player on any team to do that since Elvis Andrews did it in 2013. Wow. So if you need, uh, if you need a second baseman that can't be or any power, uh, you'll get Cesar Hernandez. I kind of agree with like the Boston sentiment. I feel like they're going to reach really hard and try to like get back in the like the divisional race or the at least the postseason race in general. They they typically make a lot of moves, so they'll probably get a guy like a bunch of guys that like are like pretty mid. Honestly, like I could see them getting like a Cesar Hernandez or like something that like just a bunch of guys that are a bunch of guys um, going to get a bunch <laughs> of bodies to try to do something. Um, most moves. Um, would be the Red Sox, but I think the winner of uh, of the deadline would probably end up being the Giants. Um, I think the Giants will probably swing another big move. They have the farm system to do it if they wanted to make a big move. Like if the Giants wanted to trade for Wilson Contreras, they could. Um, they they very easily could, um, and he'd fit really well, which makes me mad because I'm thinking that. No, no. Um, please don't do that. I'm still holding on to. Uh, <laughs> I'm still holding on to Joey Bart. Please. <laughs> I could also I could also see the Giants potentially swinging a move for like another like. A, a good bat, but not like a super, super high tier bat like a Soto. Um, I could definitely see the Giants getting someone like a Josh Bell um, or even like now with the Universal DH getting Nelson Cruz, which would be wild. Um, so I think the uh, the Giants will probably make like three or four moves. They'll get like a reliever or two for nothing. Um, they'll get a starter. They'll probably get a catcher somewhere and they'll probably get some other bat. And then they're all going to combine for like, 17 war for the rest of the year. And then they're going to make the playoffs um, would be my guess. Yeah. Those are some uh, pretty good guesses. Uh, I I think I'm going to have to say it's going to be the A's making the most moves. They just got like a lot of talent that uh, would work well, sort of in, in small trades, you know, like those Red Sox filling their their little holes and also big moves like getting Frankie Montas to a team that needs an ACE. I I think they're going to be very active. They usually are. I, I think, the twins could end up being winners. Uh, I do hope it's the giants. I think they've got like the best GM in baseball and he, he could, he could make a lot of waves here at the trade deadline, but the twins, you know, they, they seem to have the most to gain from getting a couple, a big starter or uh, uh, maybe another bat <clears throat> in there. They don't really need another bat, but everything helps. Uh, they just have so much to gain right now. Their, their division's really close. You don't want to let the guardians catch up on them. Like we talked at the beginning of the show. So uh, I would definitely think that the the twins are going to be the winners of the off season or the trade deadline season. But yeah, I mean, uh, that's going to do it for that, that trade deadline talk there. There's going to be a lots to cover in the next couple of weeks. So we wanted to get this out of the way now to like show like, Hey, these are our predictions is what we think is going to happen. So then we, can be like, see, I'm really smart. Look how smart I am when the obvious trades start rolling through after the deadline. Yes. Yeah. So with that said, like you said, there will be plenty of time to discuss that, but there's not much time left. The home no. run derby is beginning. Minutes. So we have to get to this very quick. We did want to play another 
little mini draft. I got you. You got your hand up. Yeah, and just a quick fun fact. I don't know if you guys saw this. It was happening as the show was airing, and I had it saved. I needed to mention it just really quick. The tweet is, it's officially official. Should the All-Star game be tied after nine innings, the game is going to be settled via a home run derby. Each manager will select three batters to participate, and each batter will get three swings. The team with the mm. highest total after the three rounds wins. Dude. Let's all pray for please a tie in the All Star game. Yes, please tie. Let's there get Aaron go. Judge in there to win it all. Let's do yes. this. <laughs> like, well, felt like it was worth mentioning as well. He's going to be rooting for the team that's losing the whole time. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be Ooh, sick. That's insane. Yeah, I want to. I want to tie now. <laughs> so, like the interesting thing is, whoever wins the home run derby, would they be like? Then the all-star MVP. <laughs> like it's so kind of interesting. So look, like I said, we don't got much time. So I'm gonna get to it. We did want to do another little mini draft. This one I do want to be a part of because yes, sir. We need you. There's eight of them. It's yes. perfect. Yes. So run down those names real quick. You don't have to read off the stats at all, just so that everybody knows who the choices are if they haven't been keeping up with stuff. Yes, of course. We got let me let me start from okay. We got Corey Seager, of course. Jose Ramirez, our boy, he gets a lot of love on this show. Julio Rodriguez, actually a guy I've been rooting for since the, like since the start. You got Kyle Schwarber, Juan Soto, who it seems like he's having a rough season, but then you look and like you said, he's a top fifteen hitter, twenty homers and uh, two fifteen batting average. You got potentially the home run derby king in the making, Pete Alonso, Ronald Acuna, who's you know been through a lot the past year and a half. He could use a win. And then it's my boy, Albert Pujols, in the All Star game. Like if you're if you're not rooting for Albert Pujols, then I don't know what you're doing. But you know, it's a really cool just to see him there. It's gonna be really fun. Of course, like he said, he's probably gonna be winded, like Devin said. But he's it probably is what got it is. almost as many home runs as the rest of the field combined for his career. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's he's great, man. I, I I really have been hoping that he would get to 700 home runs somehow, but uh. Either way, I think let's get right to it. Of course, we got to figure out what's the order going to be here. Um, Jake, got a random number right? generator. Yeah. Um, all right, Isaiah, choose a number between one and four. Got to go number two. Shout Davis, out three. Ah, uh, stole my number. I'm gonna go with. Got you this time. <laughs> I'll go with four. All right. So Isaiah, you said what number again? Derek Jeter, number two. Shout out. Okay. So, so two, three, four. That leaves me with one. All right. Here we go. Drum roll, please. Two. Oh, You're nice. going number one, Isaiah. All right. Who's going number two? It's two again. That doesn't help me. <laughs> one. All right. So I'm going second. And it's between three and four here. Come on. Two. One. Two. <laughs> three all right going third no. and then okay. devin will go last and he'll yeah. get the second pick of the second to start off the second round there'll be only two rounds yeah. but yeah we'll get handed over to isaiah for this first pick you know what i feel safe with this pick because i did want to pick one particular person i feel like he's going to fall to me anyway so i'm going to leave him for last and I hope he does. If anybody takes him, I'll be very upset. Um, <laughs> but I'm going with the guy that I just mentioned, potentially the future Homeland Derby king in the making. Not exactly what I want to see happen, but what I think is going to happen. He takes this very seriously, even with the head bopping and all. He he means what he's doing here. You got Pete Alonzo. I mean, did he, he's, anybody he's else. in it every year. Like, you know, can you really – 
I think that's the favorite automatically right off the bat. Um, I mean, Isaiah, if he ends up winning, we're no longer calling him Pete Alonzo. We're just going to call him Three Pete, you know? Ooh. What a <laughs> yeah. sick nickname. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we have to at that point. So, yeah, yeah Pete Alonzo, I feel completely safe with that pick. Yeah, yeah he's going to be taking on Acuna in the first round. Um, you know, I – there's really there's really good choices here. Uh, Shorber's just been insane recently, and obviously I picked Joe Ram for All Star MVP. But you know what? I, I think he's going to be reserved in the home run derby so that he can win the All Star Game MVP just for me. So I'm going with who I think is the most exciting player in this draft. I'm taking Julio Rodriguez. He Ooh, is so I, sick. I I just I love what Julio's been doing recently. He's in that I've said many times on this podcast. He's in that same tier of Acuna, Tatis, Vladdy. Uh, just one of the brightest young stars of the game, especially one of the foreign ones, which is, you know, super cool. I love how diverse baseball is, but yeah, I want Julio to win. He's taken on Corey Seager in the first round on, on Pete Alonso's side. So he will have to go through big meat Pete, but uh, yeah, so, so he, he's got his work cut out for him, but yeah, now we head to uh, Davis with the third pick. This is the easiest pick of my entire life. I'm just going to take Kyle Schwarber uh, and I'm going to hope they have hypnotized him to think it's June. Um, so uh, I love Kyle Schwarber, Cubs fan. So, got robbed against Harper. He's going to win this one. Oh, man. All right, I get back-to-back picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, snake draft. Yep, I'm going to go with someone that I know Jake loves. Um, and he would be the first player from Cleveland to win the actual event since Albert Bell and uh, Jim Tom each made the finals but couldn't finish the deal. I'm hoping Jose Ramirez is going to show up, my fantasy stud. So I'll take him, and then on the back end, I'm going to take someone who reached the semifinals last year, 85, 85th percentile for barrel percentage. Expected slugging is in the 93rd percentile. I'm going to take Juan Soto. Those guys are facing each other in the first round. So yeah, you, you I, gotta, get my, I get a shot. Got a bit I get, that's one yeah. of them. <laughs> um, so then it's me, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna just gonna take Corey Seager. Um, I think he's really slept on in this competition. I mean, he's he might not be the one that's gonna be like hitting like bombs, like 500 foot bombs, but he's gonna hit a lot of home runs. I think he's the um, hottest right now too. He had yeah. five home runs last week in back to back to back to back to back games. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Corey Seager. All right. So now I I know how easy it would be to snipe Isaiah, but you know. <laughs> He was my favorite player growing up, but you know, I want to give myself an actual shot at winning this thing. You know, I take these, <laughs> I take these competitions very seriously. I get the two young stars, power speed combos in the outfield. I'm going to take Ronald Acuna, pair him with Julio Rodriguez. You know, they're, they may have to go through each other very similar to dev where it's just like, I'm, they're going to be facing each other. It's going to be hard for me to root for one or the other, but you know, Acuna is really good. I, I love what he's been doing, not hitting for power this year, but this could be similar to last year when Juan Soto wasn't hitting for power came into this game and just turned it on. So that leaves Isaiah with only one choice. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. I wouldn't be shocked if pools just like goes all out and this is his final like hurrah he just goes off for homer somehow i'm hoping he wins at least one round i i, I just i would love him I, to give win. us a good show give us a good show it's gonna be really fun i'm glad he's God. getting like some shine though either way i hope kyle schwarber hurts that man's feelings <laughs> facing off in the first uh, round I, I hope he hurts his feelings disrespectful but listen Albert Pools is gonna be in there he's gonna get his honor but i'm okay with peter alonzo I, I feel safe with that pick regardless oh yeah so yeah, totally good. 
So look, that that's so we have right here. Of course, we had mine was Alonzo and Pujols. We had Jake with J Rod and Acuna. But, I mean, and you had Schwarber, and I'm sorry, who was it? it was uh, Seager. See, right, Corey Seager, and you had Deb with J Ram and Soto. So, hey man, we we I mean, let's see what happens. We're about to find out very shortly. So, before we do that, of course, you know what time it is. It's time to bring in the closer, and. Jake, because of the Yankee hat and everything, he said he picked this just for me and because of Dev being uh, the guest here today. Yeah, had to honor the Yankees today. You know, it's All-Star Weekend. I purposefully went and looked up who was the reliever with the most All-Star selections, and that was the main reason. But yes, as a secondary, yes, this is a Yankees podcast just for this week. So had to honor the best closer in Yankees history and also in baseball history. We've got Mariano Rivera, the Hall of Famer, Coming in to close this all-star podcast. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we don't have rights to enter Sandman. Otherwise, I'll be playing that right now. <laughs> yes, thank you. That would be sick. Um, yeah, but he was an, had an incredible career. I, it literally took me an hour, and I didn't even finish writing up this whole thing. I got his wiki pulled up just to mention a couple more things at the end. He had a 19-year career from 1995 to 2013, and it all came with the Yankees. He debuted in May of 1995 against the California Angels. They were California at the time, and he sucked. 3.1 innings pitched, 8 hits, 5 earned, 3 walks, 5 Ks. Yes, he was a starter. What the heck? Mario Rivera was a starter. Yes, he was. Mo, which was his nickname for uh, being called Mariano, he struggled as a starter in his first year. Uh, his first year completed with 67 innings in fi- with a 5.51 ERA and a 1.51 whip. And he started 10 of the 19 games he appeared in. He was converted to a relief pitcher late in the season and never started another game for the rest of his career. Pretty interesting start to the career. Definitely common among relief pitchers, closers on this podcast. He recorded his first save the following year in 1996, where he was working as the setup man to John Wetland. He tossed 107 innings, which would be the second most innings of his career. Actually, that's the most innings of his career as a, as a setup. He had a 209 ERA and a 99.99 whip where he struck out a career high 130 batters, which is the Yankees single season record for strikeouts by a relief pitcher. I don't know if that still stands still incredible. He finished third in Cy Young and 12th in MVP, despite not making the all-star team. And he racked up five baseball reference war, which has not been surpassed by a relief pitcher since then. Crazy. He also won his first world series as the Yankees took home the trophy in 1996. The following year, he transitioned to being the closer full-time in New York, saved 43 games with a 188 ERA and a 119 whip. He made the first all-star appearance of his career. We're about to be saying that a lot. He finished 25th in MVP. This was uh, the year that he also accidentally stumbled upon his signature cutter. The year before, he had like miraculously gained five miles per hour on his uh, fastball and stuff just out of nowhere, like coming back from an injury, you know, like rookie of the year type BS. Um, <laughs> he just breaks his arm and then comes back throwing way harder. So, yeah, he said that was an act of God. This one was just I don't, his fingers or something. He, he stumbled upon this cutter and that would become his signature pitch and define the rest of his career. The following season, 1998, he had a 191 ERA, saved 36 ball games. This was one of just four seasons, though, that he wasn't an all-star after converting to the closer. But he did win his second World Series title with the Yankees in 98. 99, he had a super memorable season, led the majors with 45 saves, had a 1.83 ERA and a .88 whip. He made his second all-star team, finished third in Cy Young, and had the 14th most uh Points in MVP voting in the American League. He became the 
Sandman. He he earned his nickname Sandman. Oh, thank you. Totally forgot about that. Appreciate <laughs> that. Um, he, he became the uh, he became the Sandman. That, that that was his other nickname other than Mo because the uh, the scoreboard production staff selected Metallica's Enter Sandman as uh, his entrance music in September of 1999. Mm-hmm. And so that literally became synonymous with his cutter. So it was Enter Sandman and his cutter. And that defines Mario Mariano. He won his first Raleigh's Relief Man of the Year award that year, and he also won his freaking third World Series title. Um, uh, he's been playing for four years now. He's got three World Series, and he earned World Series MVP this time around. The following year, 2000, 2000 excuse me, thirty six saves, two eight five ERA, made his third All Star team, won his fourth World Series. Oh my God! Set the postseason saves record with sixteen. <laughs> he would add and add and add to that. For the rest of his career, and he set the record for the most consecutive scoreless innings, scoreless innings pitched in the postseason with 33.1. Not sure if that still stands. He then signed a he signed a four-year, 39.99 million dollar extension prior to the 2001 season, in, during which he uh, set the single-season New York Yankees saves record with 50 saves, making him the sixth pitcher ever ever with 50 plus saves. He also made his fourth All-Star team, won his second Raleigh's Relief Man of the Year award, and uh, then moved on to just setting even more records in 2002. He, he set the single season or the career Yankees uh, save record at 225. Uh, pretty sure he was going to add to that a little bit more, just a little bit. He uh, saved 28 games that season, which is would be his fewest until 2012 because he was uh, dealing with a shoulder strain that year that landed him on the IL. He still made his fifth all-star team. Nonetheless, he missed the first month of the next season as well with a groin strain. Forced him to miss out on the All-Star game, but he still had a 1.66 ERA and 40 saves regardless. And he uh, that began a string of four straight seasons in which he had a sub-1 ERA. He also won ALCS MVP in the postseason. He then signed a two-year extension with a third-year option to in 2004 that was worth $21 million. He led the majors with nice 69 games finished. A new Yankees single season saves record with 53 led the majors there as well. Had a 194 ERA. He made a six all-star team, finished third in Cy Young and ninth in MVP. I think those were his no next year. He he set his best in those categories. He also finished third, or no, he won his third Raleigh's Relief Man of the Year award. And he was the 18th pitcher with 300 plus saves after that season. We are now moving into the 2000 five season during which he was receiving booze from Yankees fans. And many people were like predicting that his, his career was coming to an end after he was like blowing saves to the Red Sox in the postseason in 2004, during which the Red Sox won and then was doing the same at the beginning of the season. Red Sox fans on the other hand were cheering him and uh, I'm pretty sure he donned his cap. I'm just like, oh, shout out Red Sox fans. Thank you for the cheers. I appreciate it because I'm going to shut you down for the rest of the season that he literally had maybe his best season this year in 2005. He uh, led the majors with 69 games finished, got 43 saves, had a 1.38 ERA and a 0.87 whip. Both of those marks were career bests for his entire career, made a seventh all-star team, finished second in Cy Young and ninth in MVP. Those were the highest uh honors for him in those two categories. Won his fourth Raleigh's Relief Man of the Year, won the first ever delivery man of the year award and he moved into fifth all time in career saves just i he's still got so much more of his career left i mean you can imagine why this took me so long because it was every single year just something else saved 34 games with a 180 era in 2006 moved into fourth place on the career saves list list made his eighth all-star team 26th mvp and won his second delivery man of the year award he didn't make the all-star team in 2007 unfortunately because he had a an ERA over three, but he saved 30 games and moved into third on the all-time saves list. You can imagine where this ends up. He bounced back with an incredible 2008 season after signing a three-year $45 million deal that made him the highest paid reliever in MLB history. 
came with a 1.4 LERA, 39 saves, his ninth all-star team, and a fifth-place finish in Cy Young voting as he moved into second on the all-time saves list. 44 saves the next season in 2009 with a 176 ERA. His 10th all-star team, double digits now, 14th in MVP voting, fifth Raleigh Relief Award, third Delivery Man of the Year Award. He also won his fifth World Series. Oh, my God, what a career by this guy. Uh, it is no wonder why his career gets capped off in the most uh fitting way possible we got like three more seasons that he that he pitched in 39 saves and a 180 era in 2010 made his 11th all-star team signed another deal two years 30 million dollars to stay with the yankees why didn't he just sign one for the whole time never pitched for another team yeah. 44 saves in 2011 had a sub two era as well made his 12th all-star team eighth in Cy young and he took over as the all-time saves leader he would later keep adding on to that he had ACL surgery and missed most of 2012, which was center field. You know, yeah, people thought people thought it was uh, it was all <laughs> over for him. Um, but no, he returned. He won Comeback Player of the Year with 44 saves and a 2-1-1 ERA in 2013 before retiring. He made his 13th All-Star team, which set him apart as the only reliever or the reliever with the most career saves. He was the final player to wear number 42, Jackie Robinson's retired number, and he just got so many career records. Uh, for his career, he had a 56.3 baseball reference war, 1,283.2 innings pitched. 2.21 ERA and a 100 whip. And that came with 652 saves, the most of all time. He um, has so many other honors. Um, I just, I like, I don't want to miss anything because I just feel like people are going to like report us or something. Just like, Hey, it, yeah, these guys didn't mention all, all these things that he's done. And I, I think the most important one to mention, so I don't risk just like reading off the like 50,000 words that are on his Wikipedia page is that he, was the first Hall of Famer ever to be elected unanimously. Nobody voted no for him. Everyone had him on their ballot. He was completely deserving. He was literally unstoppable during his time. And he is the greatest closer of all time. You know, you, you knew that he was going to close out one of these podcasts. This took 10 minutes to cover his, uh, his entire career. And there was even some stuff that I had to leave out because there was just so much to talk about. And I've been talking way too much this podcast. <laughs> uh, it might as well just be my own podcast with a couple uh, guests. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he is absolutely a legend. He will be remembered for a long time, but uh, just want to hear if anybody has any final thoughts. They don't. Ooh, I like that one. Let's <laughs> let, uh, any final thoughts? It doesn't have to be about Mariano Rivera. I know we all want to go watch this home run derby. Probably won't start immediately at five, so we've got a few minutes left. So if anybody wants to say anything final about this this All Star Weekend, the first half trade deadline, um, or if you just want to say how much you loved watching Mariano Rivera as a young Yankees fan, um, yeah, you know, I'll shoot it to Dev as our um, resident guest for the day. Thanks again for showing up for this podcast. Sure. We appreciate it, Dev. Enjoyed having you on. Yeah, this was a great a great time. I'm glad I got to be a part of this. I know we had a, a full cast of people. I'll I'll take this 30 seconds before the home run derby starts to give you one more crazy Mariano Rivera stat. We mentioned before when he was a starting pitcher, not very good, allowed 11 home runs in his first big league season. Across the rest of his career, never gave up more than seven home runs in a single season. So that first season was definitely <laughs> questionable at best. Never happened again. Man, impressive. You talk about childhood. I, I can't go there because we'll be here forever. But yeah, <laughs> man, I, I, I cried when he walked off with Derry Jeter and Andy Pettit. Um, I, I, I don't care, man. I cried, man, because this was like the end of an era for me. And you saw him like, you know, it was just pure passion. 
like they don't make him at, like they do anymore in a way. Like you see him, you know, just sitting on the bench at the end, and you know he's just looking into the like into 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 space. Like man, like what a career I just had. Like that, it, it was such. Is a that great- what Cody Bellinger is doing? No, no, he's, he's <laughs> too, but somewhere else. He's he's looking down. I hope he doesn't fall from up there. Uh, so, but yeah, man, really good job. And by the way, I had to say, there's been a lot of people watching, like, let's talk sports. They, they came to me, they said, Hey, I just watched that baseball show. This was, this was last week. They like, you guys been killing it. I mean, I know I haven't been on here as much. I feel like a special guest too, but, um, Hey, Jake and Davis, you guys have been absolutely smashing it, man. So talking about it like i don't even mention it they're like hey when's that free baseball podcast so, True. so yeah it, I mean, it's really it's a lot of fun every week and we've been just going two hours in like each of the last three podcasts there's yeah. just so much to talk about in this time of the year and you know me i can't let anything go by the wayside i want everybody to know how much i am paying attention to baseball but davis let me hear your final thoughts before we send everybody home to go watch the home run derby uh, make sure you go watch the home run derby and uh, watch Kyle Schwarber slash Corey Seager win it. Um, yes. And Devin and David Bednar win uh, all-star game MVP. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Devin, do you want to plug your socials or anything? Um, we typically do that at the end of the show. Yes. Um, yeah, okay. So anybody can follow me over on Twitter over at Devin Withers, T-A-H for the athletes hub. Um, also make sure you're checking these guys out. I don't want to spend too much time on myself, but like Isaiah said, Davis and Jake, these two guys have been killing it. They've been consistent every single week. I'm watching these episodes every single week like an avid viewer. Uh, when you're not checking these guys out, you might have to check out me, Isaiah, and Gary tomorrow as we check out uh, Deep from Three. We're going to be having our own little mini draft of the best starting lineups, but we're only going to be drafting guys that were taken number one in the NBA draft. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron James, David Robinson, uh, Shaq will probably be in the mix as well. So that'll be a good time. And for all the content, just check out the athletes We're constantly working and going towards something big. You can wait. It's up Andrew. So, yeah. And, uh, make sure you follow the athletes hub as well on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at DVS bird. Um, I'm Davis bird. You can follow Jake Crumpler, of course, at uh, Jake Crumpler. Um, check out all of his stuff with baseball HQ and with pitcher list because he just makes baseball content, man. Yeah, dude, no. dude, dude breathes baseball. I swear. Absolutely. Like if, if he talks about baseball more, he might turn into a baseball. So <laughs> read, read all of, read all of his stuff uh, on all the sites uh, and definitely check out the athletes. Uh, put out a bunch of great content. Of course, Devin Withers, uh, the head honcho over there sponsors our show. Um, yeah. Right for him and stuff too. So, you know what's crazy? I, I I met Jake once, right? Like he gave me a fist bump, and ever since then I can throw like a ninety-nine mile an hour fastball. It's crazy. It's just insane. <laughs> it's like if, you, if you've seen Cedric's illegal pitches on TikTok, Jake taught Cedric all those illegal pitches. Um, yeah. So, uh, where can they follow you, Isaiah? Uh you got Isaiah twenty-eight ninety-six. Um, that's pretty much it everywhere. But you don't have to go there. You can just follow me at the athlete sub. You know where I'll be at. <laughs> <laughs> yep all right well tune in next week we'll be back here on monday covering the results of the all-star game the results of our drafts we'll have another closer to bring in the close out the podcast there, there's tons of there's tons to cover it, it's it's non-stop we're going to be going through the end of the season through the off season stay tuned every monday at 4 p.m usually today we had to go a little later to get 
both of our guests on. But yeah, thanks again for showing up. That is going to do it for the 24th episode of the Free Baseball Podcast. Yeah.